0: Well, everyone, you are listening to the first number one episode of Elk Talk podcast with Corey Jacobson and Randy Newberg, presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation.
1: All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us. Having conversations. So, we usually go down some rabbit holes, but they'll all focus and start from elk. If you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit
0: holes. <laughs> and if you do a podcast <laughs> with Corey, there are more rabbit holes deeper and further than you've ever imagined. But that's the whole joy of doing podcasts. That's right. Right here, you, you, the, the, we're recording this for YouTube. I'm going to show the audience. You see all the notes we have right there? Clean slate. A clean slate. We're just going to make this up as we go. But what are all these notes that we have? Well, this is kind of some structure to make sure we don't forget certain things. Gotcha. You Randy, know, like,
1: Randy provided me with three pages of notes this morning and said, "Here, we're going to talk about this." And I looked at it uh, and uses like quadruple spacing on the notes. There's actually only six sentences per page. Right.
0: That's because I'm old. No, let and, me let and, me read
1: what it says here. Uh huh. All elk, only elk. That's one yeah. sentence. Yeah. I'm Corey. Yeah. That's another sentence. Yeah, And I'm Randy. That's another sentence. Yeah. Those are three sentences. Yeah. We've got six total mm-hmm. and then we're clean slate. So we don't have notes. This, right. this is just to help us get through the introduction. <laughs> yeah. So we're recording this in advance,
0: folks. Obviously the, the goal is, is to release this <laughs> in early July, but we're, we're going to make the apology up front that There's this group that syndicates podcasts called Libsyn, Liberated Syndication. And you got to pass their, I guess... Approval? Yeah. I I don't know who they have on the committee or the council of (laughs) higher-ups. But, so, we're hoping we can submit this one to them, and they'll approve it, and we'll be ready to roll according to schedule. But, maybe not. But just in case. Just in case. That was our disclaimer. That's kind of like in the, you know, the pharmaceutical commercial It's like they say here's what the brand is and then they spend the next forty five seconds of the
1: one minute commercial telling you all yep. the things you might die from. In six seconds they tell you what it solves. Right. Then in the next fifty four seconds, yeah, they list all the risks and hazards. Yeah. And by the May time cause sudden death, heart yeah. attack yeah. pulmonary disease, all, all these, all these things. It's like, seriously, I just have an infected toenail. Can't right. we, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take my chances with that. So
0: that was our version of the pharmaceutical disclaimer. That's right. And uh, with that, if people want to follow along on this podcast trip that we're going to be doing, cause we're going to do it every two weeks. We've got the new website that we're working on. Yep. Uh, hopefully it's going to be ready by the time the podcast is up and running. It now. will. And what is that? It's yeah. elktalkpodcast.com. That's because, so, Corey tried to use his magic to talk the guy out of <laughs> elktalk.com.
1: Yeah, there's a website, elktalk.com. And yeah, we're don't, gonna, go, we're, don't, go there, say,
0: don't go there and give the guy any traffic. We're going
1: to crash his server, but yeah. we tried, and it's uh, it's it's a guy, what was he, Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania, yeah. And uh, they just have some family photos from, like, the 1980s on there or something, and I asked him if he'd be interested in... I mean, we would get him vintagephotos.com or whatever <laughs> he wanted, but he had no interest in selling elktalk.com. And then there's so. no, there's not even a picture of an elk on the website.
0: Right. And then we we tried to get the Instagram page, Elk Talk. Yeah. And it's like some.
1: A beer garden in. Or truck wagon Oregon. thing. Oregon, yeah. Oregon. yeah. Food service, food court.
0: Yeah. So the Instagram place you can find us is Elk Talk Podcast. Yep. What's that little at sign? Is yeah, it an at? At. at yeah, talk. it's a little. Corey's the he's the Instagram guy. I, I have to hire somebody. <laughs> Michelle does on my Instagram. I send her a picture and say, can you post this? <laughs> I still don't know how to do Instagram stories. Really? No. Well, we should do one right here while we're podcasting. Well, that's up to you, but because I, I wouldn't know how to do it. Maybe you need an iPhone to do it, because I'm a Samsung guy with a broken screen. <laughs> I, I dropped my, my phone on the floor of my boat while I fish this week. And it's not looking good, <laughs> but that's good. I, I don't like to use that, but anyhow, see, we're already down the first I rabbit I was just going
1: to say, do I, do I need to get you back on track here yeah. because we're already at sentence five, and if we only have six sentences here, <laughs> we're, we're in we are we got to get back aligned.
0: Yeah. The one thing we want to make sure of is that people share this podcast with all their friends. Absolutely. Because the goal is that what little you and I know about Al Cunning, we share with people. Yep. And... At least for me, elk hunting is like this lifelong adventure of how many bad mistakes I can make.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. Uh-huh. Is that, it too that, early I, to bring up grouse hunting? I mean, well, we're, about, we're, it's, uh, we're yeah. five minutes into episode one. Can we talk about grouse? No, not yet. Okay. We, grouse, we got to save for episode two. Okay. I, right. just, I, could, I almost couldn't hold back when we were talking I, about rabbit holes. I know. Well, I
0: shoot rabbits too. And rabbits like and shoot grouse are, are borderline, and they're almost equivalent on the on
1: the scale. So do you shoot at rabbits or do you shoot rabbits? Oh, I shoot them. Okay. I, well, I shoot so at it's them. it's different no than
0: No, it's kind of the same. I, <laughs> I luck out and hit one once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow folks, if, if uh, uh, how, how do I want to say this without embarrassing either of us? Um, if, if you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to. <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts wow. where they might learn something? <laughs> that, that probably wasn't a very good sales pitch. Well, I've, I, I'm an accountant. I'm not a marketing guy. <laughs> You're the marketing guy. You, I'm not you, a marketing you, you've guy. You've got like the University of Elk Hunting. You've got Elk One One. Corey has anything that sounds like a professor, when it comes to elk, <laughs> right? Elk one hundred one and here we have the Elk Talk podcast.
1: That mm-hmm. that sounds like
0: education. That, that doesn't, no, that doesn't sound. That sounds like guys sitting around down at the coffee shop telling big stories about. Yeah, I missed him yesterday. He was at
1: least a five hundred and twenty inch bull. Well, you must be from Bozeman, Montana then.
2: Well, that's true.
1: Every affair there's at least 500 inches. Yeah. So anyhow, folks, trust me, we
0: will start getting into some of this because I only gave Corey the first six sentences. I got the rest of them here. Uh But before we we let it pass too long, we should let the world know who is making this podcast possible because we've threatened to do something collaboratively for a long time. time. Yeah. And finally I called Corey's wife and said, you know, uh, if he doesn't do something with me, I'm probably going to take my sucker home and throw it in the dirt. (laughs) And, uh, actually, uh, after talking to the good friends at the elk foundation, they said, you know, if you and Corey would do a podcast, we would love to help promote that kind of information that you guys would do. So for the elk foundation, we'd do anything, right? That's right.
1: Because they would do anything for us. Well, Well, they would do anything for elk anyway. We like elk, so.
0: Right, there you go. And they've loaned us this studio right here. This is amazing. We showed up. They had their production crew. They had the lights all set up. We just showed up and hit the record button. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Did we hit the record button?
1: I forgot to hit the record button. (laughs) See, I'm a complete newbie at this, so if Uh anything bad happens. It's my fault. It's your fault. You've done this before. I have no excuse. I'm the technical director.
0: Yep. Okay. So anyhow, if you go to rmef.org, you should sign up to be a member of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. And if you are already a member of the Elk Foundation, you should
1: sign up to be a sponsor member. And if you're
0: a sponsor member, you should sign up to be a life member.
1: And I was just going to say, one month ago today, I signed up as a life member. Oh man. Long time coming. I've talked about it forever and I I finally bit the bullet and did it. Cool.
0: Does that mean you're going to shoot like three extra elk this year because you became a Well, life I heard member? the
1: rumor that I get to hunt on all the elk foundation's private property if I'm a life member. So I'm waiting for that invitation in the mail. All I've got oh, so wow. far as the hat and the pin, but well, to my
0: understanding, the only private property, the elk foundation owns is what we're sitting on yeah, right here. That's... So are you, are you going to shoot <laughs> one of these, uh, uh,
1: sculptures out here? Is, that, is yeah, that the deal? It's funny because I get emails all the time from people and I talk about the elk foundation. Cause I strongly believe if you're an elk hunter, you need to belong to the elk foundation. Yeah. It's it's $35 a year for a right. membership. You need to be a member because yeah. that goes back to elk country on the ground. It really does. That's right. not a sales pitch. I have no. believed it for 25 years. Yeah. And people will email me and say, last time I saw so, so-and-so hunting on their private ranch. And I said, hold on. The Elk <laughs> Foundation doesn't have private ranches. They might open up access on private property for the public to go and and hunt on, but yeah. Yeah. So the Elk Foundation's mission
0: is ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. Yep. So to me, that's like, for the audience that's listening to this, I think that's what they call right down the strike zone, the sweet spot, the the boiler room, the...
1: It's a perfect fit.
0: There you go. (laughs) All right. So rmef.org, folks, you should go there and become a member. Um, The other one... This the Onyx Maps guys. We should have called them and had them come and be our guests. They're because we're here in Missoula right now. Yeah, they're just like a mile away, and uh, they. When we told them we were doing this podcast, they're like, "We want to be in. How do we (laughs) be part of that?" We said, "Well, you got to give our members or, or our listeners a promo code, because we want them to have the best information at their fingertips." which they can get through the app.
1: Totally. At and can I just tell you, I'm I'm technologically, I almost said technol, technology, I'm technologically impaired. No, you're not. I, I really am. No. So I had a GPS and mm-hmm. I bought that GPS six years ago. Uh-huh. That's how late to the market I was getting a GPS. But the first thing I got for it was an Onyx chip. Right. And I loved it. It was great. Yep. But within a year or two, Mm -hmm. My hunting partners had their phones out and they're walking around with the exact same information on their phones. It took me two or three years to adopt to that. Now, I don't even know where my GPS is because it's so handy to have the phone with all that information from the app right there. No, I'm the same way. I was
0: so slow. In fact, I, I got a, this is like confession. I was in Alaska last week and I had my GPS with me. <laughs> Marcus had his phone, but it rains there every day. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want my phone to get killed in the rain. Yep. And I looked at Marcus's phone. I'm like, that's like a iPhone two or something. If, <laughs> you should drop it in the ocean. I mean. But so I'm slow to ad- adopt that technology. But now when it's not raining... I use it all the time. And the thing I love about it is you can get the aerial view, which you can't nope. get on a GPS. Yep. And you can get some, you can click this layer, that layer, that I can't get on a GPS. So back to how they got to give our listeners a good deal. <laughs> Sorry. Another rabbit hole I went down there. No. Use promo code Elktalk when you go out to onxmaps.com. Even though their app, I think, is called X Hunt, isn't yep, it? And their Instagram page is X Hunt. I Yes. Something like that. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, but use promo code ELKTALK. Do we need to spell that for anybody? I mean, the, if, if my family's listening, we got to spell it. <laughs> E-L-K-T-A-L-K.
1: You had to look at the paper. I did. You had to look to uh, see how to spell I, I, it. I had
0: to use spell check just to put that <laughs> on there. Uh, you're going to save
1: 20%. Which that's, is
0: awesome. Yeah. And that's the other thing. We, we pretty much told most of the people who want to be part of this podcast, you got to give our listeners something. Totally. Because... Because we're not going
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting any value from us.
0: No value in listening to this podcast <laughs> other than the first 10 minutes we will tell you where you can save some money. <laughs> uh, the other group is uh, Gerber. Uh, Gerber Gear. Gerber Blades. Gerber Knives. Tools. Whatever you want to call them. Uh, yeah, Gerbergear.com is where you can find out all their stuff. And... I've been using their vital and their big game vital ever since they came out with it, and I'm I'm liking that stuff. And they uh, they've been a huge supporter of of us uh, of all my platforms. Um, they're really they, about four or five years ago. They said, you know, we're we're getting serious back into the hunting market, um, and they have. And I when I do finally shoot a rabbit? You know, I get, I got a knife that I can really take care of it, and uh, I I've used them on a lot of elk. Not mine, but you know, I, I don't shoot enough elk. So. But go to GerberGear.com uh, and find out other cool stuff. Look for them at your local retailer. Uh, you're gonna hear a lot more about them uh, as the podcast evolves. Uh, We might even force them to bring some of their engineers here and talk about product development and stuff. Seth, their lead product design guy, he's from Montana. He's always looking for a reason to come back here, but we might charge him admission to come back There we go.
1: I like that. Yeah. Of course, I like engineering too, so if we talk about engineering behind knives and tools, that's...
0: uh... When you think about the employment and professional backgrounds of the two people on this podcast... It's not good. We don't, have an engineer oh. and, a, and a tax accountant.
1: I was just going to say we shouldn't tell people. Yeah. Because they what, just what all
0: respect but, for us. but you know what? <laughs> we both come from logging families, so that yeah. should give us some street cred. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, people have accused me of being anti-logging because I didn't take over the logging business from my dad. First of all, I didn't want to take on that much debt. Second of all, I, <laughs> I, I looked at him at age 40 and said, I don't want to look like him when I'm 40. And uh, I'm not anti-logging at all. I'm pro-logging. I'm anti-Randy logging. Yeah. Uh, I mean, your dad was a timber I, faller, I did it for,
1: uh, I, I hooked logs for a little bit of time during college. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I was thinking of that this morning, hooking logs, and it was the most boring job mm-hmm. standing there. You get up at 3.30 in the morning, you're there at daylight, so 4.30, quarter to 5.00. And you hook logs to the choker cable all day long. And yeah. you're waiting for him to run it up. It's sometimes 10, 12-minute wait. Mm-hmm. And by 9 o'clock in the morning, my pudding snacks were all gone. <laughs> I could not make it till the whistle uh, blew. So, yeah, it was, it was tough. But I did a, um, a little bit of sawing during college. And yeah. it was fun. I, enjoyed, I still love making firewood. But I, I really, realize it's not a way to... I hate it. You hate making firewood? I hate anything to do with the chainsaw. Wow.
0: I, my I had a few goals in life. One was to get to age 50 yeah, and not own a lawnmower. I passed that. <laughs> the other was I never wanted to own a chainsaw in my life. And what did my brother do who's still a locker? He sends a chainsaw out with my mom and says, here, Randy needs this because when I went to elk camp with him, he had this little handsaw with about an eight-inch stroke <laughs> to it, and he told me to go cut firewood. He was so mad. I brought this little saw out there. He's like, what am I supposed to do with that? I said, well, go get us some firewood. You're a logger. Go get something yeah. with <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I thought he was going to kill me. I never even put gas in that chainsaw. Finally, after about five years, when my mom was heading back to Minnesota, I said, here, take this back to Jason. <laughs> it's a curse. So, uh, no, I, I I think coming from logging backgrounds, we we have at least some street cred in spite of our current profession. Totally.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of the best elk hunters
0: I know are loggers. So. I don't. I was thinking about all the people I know who are loggers and serious elk hunters. Yep. Charlie Decker, the guy who founded the Elk Foundation, yep, he's still at least plowing roads for his son's logging. He he suckered his son and taken over the logging operation. <laughs> uh, let's see, Ty Stubblefield. I mean, the, yeah, the, the man himself. The, yeah. he he comes from a logging background. It's, the list is long. Of yeah. So, we got that going for there us. There we go. We might, we might not know anything else, but we got that going for us. <laughs> if anybody questions, we'll say, hey, we're from logging families. And right. Yeah. so if, good. If you, don't, if you don't believe us that logging is a good way to convince you to go to college. Oh, my goodness. I, yeah. I remember every day out there in the Jack Pines getting stung by bees and mosquitoes and horse flies saying, I'm not doing this for 11 nope. living." I, my my dad told me he said son I can't afford to pay for college but you're the worst logger I've ever seen. <laughs> we gotta I strongly find a way. <laughs> suggest that you go to find a way to pay for college. <laughs> so I did. I figured out a way. So how did we get on that topic wow. between Gerber and Sitka gear? I'm not sure. You're a
1: Sitka gear athlete, right? You're like you're like Mister Sitka gear since the beginning. I have literally been with Sitka since the beginning. Yeah. Really. Yeah, so I won an elk calling contest, and one of the prizes was a pair of pants, a shirt, and a vest, I believe, from Sitka. And when I went to redeem it, they said, well, we don't actually have any gear yet. It'll be here in August. (laughs) So they were giving prizes away for a calling contest before it was even manufactured the first run. So I got the first run of the original mountain pants in the mountain mimicry, uh, their original core shirt, and Uh uh, I think it was the mountain vest they called it back then. Wow. And uh, I can tell you a serious story about becoming a believer in technical gear. Yeah. But it uh, it involved me and my friend crossing a creek mm. uh, about belly button deep. Oh, I don't do that. And rained all day, got back to the truck soaking, you know, the morning yeah. typical rifle season. This was archery, but we got back there and we decided to go and bear hunt that night. And so we had a tree stand set up and a bait. So we went and climbed in the tree stand and I'm sitting there just, like, everything's great. My buddy, he's a big guy, and he's tough. Mm-hmm. And I look over, and he is just shivering uncontrollably. Oh. And I looked at and I said, what's going on? He's like, I'm soaking wet. It's like, you're still wet? And he's like, yeah, I'm soaking wet. I, I've got chills. I, I can't get warm. Ooh. And I realized there was something to this new gear that I had just gotten the mail a couple of days before. Cool. I was completely dry. Yeah. And, yeah, so that was in uh, 2006. <laughs> wow. So. That's a long time ago. Yeah, 12 years. Man. What were you, you were like in 12th grade? 2006.
0: Right? Is that right? Yeah. That is. I think that's when I started, man. somewhere around then. <clears throat> that makes me feel old. Yeah, you're a freshman in, in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way older than Corey. I can say Not that way. Stuff. No, I remember when, uh, when we started our, our TV show, uh, we went and bought every sort of clothing out there. And every trip, we'd try something different, me and the guest hunter. So I'm shelling out a lot of retail money yeah. for... This brand and that brand and that brand. And at the end of the first season, kind of did the the survey. Survey says, Randy, go buy more of that Sitka gear. Yeah. So 2008, nine, 10, and you know, eight, nine, and 10, I'm buying Sitka gear for me and all the guests at full retail. Yep. <clears throat> Jonathan Hart, the founder of uh, Sitka gear, one of the co founders, sees me at a trade show. He's like, Hey man, I love your stuff. Aren't you glad we we got that deal worked out? I'm like, what deal is that? <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I said, no, I'm like paying full retail down at Sportsman's Warehouse. <laughs> He's like, what? I'm like, yeah. He said, oh man, we got to get you some stuff. And you, how many seasons into your TV show at that point? Three. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much I I spent on Sitka gear at that point. A lot. Yeah. Because I what I should have done is either had one single guest hunter for every episode or said, here's the size you have to wear. Yeah. Because this guy's a 32 waist. This guy's a 38 waist. I'm buying some. You've got a full catalog of gear. Yeah. And, uh, but everyone said, that's what you got to use. So I agreed, kind of like your experience. Everybody, it wasn't even a question of
1: what gear we were going to use. Especially in 2006 when there was nothing. I mean literally Sitka paved the way of technical hunting gear. There's, I mean, that That can't even be argued. Yeah. I was going to Walmart the year before that and buying $20 cotton (laughs) pants and a $20 or $8 cotton shirt. Right. And ripping it to shreds in a week of hunting. and Disposable hunting gear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was. Well, I think the first time you and I ever got to spend much time together was the summer of 2011. Sitka sent us both back to, where was it, Delaware?
1: Uh, Maryland or Delaware, yeah. Yeah, for
0: a... Wherever Gore's located. Yeah. Yeah. Had to go to Gore's headquarters for a week. Yep. That was impressive. It was. I mean, you sit there with all those PhDs, and they talk about product testing and this membrane and that and uh, performance. This, it's like you know, this isn't just some rednecks out here (laughs) stamping out a pattern. And I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's science behind not just the gear, every fiber of the gear, but the pattern, the fit,
0: everything. It's I was impressed. I left there as a firm believer. I'm yep. like, you know what? This thousands of dollars I spent on this stuff, <laughs> I, I didn't get suckered. It's actually good stuff. Yeah. So, anyhow, that's sick of gear. It wants to be associated with us for some strange reason. No, I was say <laughs> our 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 goal folks is within two episodes to destroy every band, or every brand we're working on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not, not, not
1: destroy their brand, but right. put their gear to the test. Maybe it'd be a better way. There you go. Corey has a better way of saying things than when I you do. you start saying destroying brands, <laughs> they probably get really nervous right about now. Yeah. Well, they know that you, you can't <laughs>
0: take anything Randy Newberg says very seriously. <laughs> uh, who's our next one? Oh, goal hunt The guys at goal Hunt. Yeah. Lorenzo, Brady, Chris, yep. all of them trail the whole group down there. Uh, how many
1: oak tags you got this year? I will have three. Three? Yeah, I only got two. What? Yeah. Well, you can buy as many as you want over the counter. Well, I know I could do
0: Colorado and Idaho, but I uh, I got a busy calendar, so I don't know that I'm going to do that. But I've uh, ever since Go Hunt started, I remember when they started. I I went <laughs> in kind of incognito, and I I won't uh, rat this person out, but. Fortunately, he didn't recognize me. And so I'm grilling him, questioning him, because I'm like, no way has someone accumulated all this information at my fingertips that fills file cabinets, right. has, has a whole office full of of cluttered up junk. I got to go check this out. Well, I'm talking to this guy, and he's like, really, you do what? You know? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so one of the other guys comes over and he does recognize me and then it's like, "Well, what do you think?" I'm like, "Well, if it really works the way you say it does." I said, "Here's my money. I want a membership. I'm going to check this out." And I've never looked back. Yep. It's It's the just the for me the the research articles, the strategy articles that Brady does. He must put a lot oh, of time I in even those. I, I mean, I, I don't know how the guy hunts. As, <laughs> as slow as I type, I couldn't <laughs> type an article that long. It'd take me all the hunting season. And uh, But that, and then they've invested in hiring the best consultants for the draw odds. And uh, also, oh, we can't forget the most important part for our listeners. Promo if, code. Promo code. Yeah.
1: Yeah. More value. We're adding more value there to our listeners. So See, if, if, they've had to put up with 15 minutes of us so far with no value other than promo codes. Right. So, GoHunt.com
0: has this, the service Corey and I have been talking about is called the Insider. And if you, right now, I think in July, for some period going on here, they're going to have a 30-day free yep. trial.
1: It is in July. Okay.
0: And it might even go into August. I don't know. We probably ought to figure that out before that. I think
1: it's just the month of July,
0: if okay. I remember right. Anyhow. So as it. long
1: as, is it Libsyn? What's that? It, Libsyn, Libsyn has to approve us. Yeah. So as long as they it. approve us in July and you're listening to this podcast and it's the month of July. Right. Go, go to GoHunt.com. Sign up for the 30-day free trial of Insider. We can assure you that
0: you're going to want to keep it after yep. your 30-day trial. And if you do keep it, there's a promo code, co- code called ElkTalk. Talk. Do we, we need to spell it again? No. Okay. Uh-uh. I, I don't want to embarrass myself by having to look and, and read it off here. And the other thing is everything is printed in like a size 36 font for me because it's, the light isn't that great. and The for, light
1: isn't that great? I, for, yeah, for, the light
0: is too great. It's blinding with oh, these lights in our eyes. Right. Well, young eyes. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> if you use promo code ELKTALK, you get $50 of free mad money in their gear shop yeah and their gear shop i just put together they asked me to put together a list my gear list for a three to five day archery elk hunt and a three to five day november rifle elk hunt they probably got that list and rolled it up in a ball and threw it away deleted the file (laughs) this is worthless uh but anyhow that gear shop has a lot of really it does really really cool products so The last company, and this first podcast we're really going through, so everyone knows how we got associated with these companies. Uh, I'm going to let you take over the last one because you know these people. Who is it? Uh, I think it's this company called Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls.
1: Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. They used to be called Bugling Bull. I remember that now. (laughs) Last I checked, they had their own line of Corey Jacobson calls. I I bought a call that had your picture on it. It might have my picture on it, but they're an Elk 101 line of calls. Oh, well,
0: you own Elk 101. (laughs) So, man, the guy... Anyhow.
1: Yeah. So, Rocky Mountain Hunting calls, and a little disclaimer here. uh, They are founded, designed, owned by a blood relative, my father. Uh-huh. So there, there is some bias there, but I told him several years ago, I am going to have one of every brand elk call mm-hmm. in my possession. Really? And if your calls do not outperform those other ones, I will use what call is the best. And Ooh. I don't know if that was motivation to get him uh-huh. to, to make sure that the quality was there or if it was just me being a... Smart aleck yeah, kid. Yeah, smart aleck kid and yeah. you know, trying to get a a jab in but regardless (laughs) i will say i have used just about every call out there yeah and there are some good calls Mm -hmm. but for me the quality the consistency and the sounds from the rocky mountain hunting calls is unparalleled yeah and that's why i use them yeah well i went to the factory there and your dad
0: stamped some out and he's like try this one randy couldn't get that one to her. He's like, what's wrong with you, pal? I'm like, well, I got this great big, f- f- everyone knows I have a big mouth, but like the roof of my mouth is like this big flat dome, like, I don't know, cave or something, I don't know. It's Like, like a plateau
1: oh, in New Mexico. Yeah,
0: I, I thought I was at the dentist. He's like, tilt your head back and open your <laughs> mouth and say, aw, <laughs> aw. He's like, well, no wonder you got one of those Scandinavian mouths. I'm like, what does that mean? Anyhow, he makes another one. He's like, try that one. Poof. Perfect.
1: He's like, see? Custom fit you elk just, calls. Yeah, you just need to make sure it fits you right. Yep. And see, I have the other I have the other problem. Uh-huh. The roof of my mouth. Yeah. I mean, I could store, I, I don't know what, I'd store a couple dilly bars maybe <laughs> if we want to go down the Dairy Queen tangent, <laughs> but I have a very high roof of mouth and very narrow upper palate. Really? And so I, I really think that for the most part, the people I've seen that call really well do have a narrower upper palate, and I don't know if it's just the fit of the call is, is easier to manipulate there or what, but mm-hmm. having the right call is important, and it's not necessarily, you know, I'm not going to say this brand is the one you have to have to fit you. Uh, but, but you should. Yeah, but every brand has multiple calls and multiple-sized frames and different things, and so it's so important to try more than just one. Don't just throw a call in and, and blow it and say, I'm no good at elk calling. I'm just going to you know, spot and stock elk hunt. Right. Go through a couple of them and, and find the one that fits you. Yeah. Well, somehow
0: you've convinced the generous folks over there at Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls to give our audience a discount.
1: Another promo code? Another promo Wow. Code. And imagine what the promo code is. Elk Talk. Elk Talk. Which you can use Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls to talk elk. So there you use go. Elk Talk to talk elk. There you go. And if you do that, you, what's that website? Buglingbull.com? I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> So it used to be Bugling Bull was the name of the company, but as they expanded into other species of animals and calls, they rebranded with Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. So I believe there's a RockyMountainHuntingCalls.com that'll get you to the same place as BuglingBull.com. Okay. but Yeah. I didn't know that. I've been out. I just made that people. up, so I don't know it either. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got the Google box; they're checking. Oh uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> there, there you go. I, I got Whenever I'm with Corey, I got to have my Google machine ready because uh, he's going to ask me some question that I don't know the answer to, and I just fake it. I look it up on Google. And I'm like, "Wow, well, here, here's the answer." I mean.
1: So this is being recorded. I mean, videoed though, so people are able to watch this on YouTube and see what you're doing right now, and you're uh, actually on a laptop typing. Yeah. Rocky Mountain. Oh, look at that. RockyMountainHuntingCalls.com. Where
0: does it take me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking me anywhere. The Elk Foundation internet is down. They forgot to pay the bill to their internet service provider or something. Look at that. It redirects to BuglingBowl.com. There you go. Ha! Huh. Nice. So just hey. like that. What a country. That's like having two trails merge at one point. Oh, boy. Put up your stand right there, man. <laughs> Anyhow. So 15% off if they use promo code ELKTALK. Are these the calls you use to win all those elk calling contests? They are. You want to know how many outcalling calling contests I've won? Zero. Oh. I, I mean, let's, let's not, don't need any drum roll or suspense <laughs> here or anything <laughs> like that. I mean, Corey's too modest, but he's won about 10 more of them than I have, I believe, using
1: these calls, right?
0: Every one of them, yep. does, does that mean that if people go by these calls, they're going to win, they're going to be your competition next year?
1: That's true. Maybe we shouldn't have a game call company as a sponsor. Hmm. That, that we'll could have be dipping that. into your pocket. Yeah.
0: Huh. <laughs> Anyhow, they got some new calls there. I, I, we'll get around to what those are because we're going to, over the course of, the, of this podcast, we're going to get into all kinds of things. But can you believe it took us 33 minutes yeah. to do the introduction? If, if
1: anybody is still out there listening, we're going to get into some good stuff now. Are we? I don't know. We have a blank page. So we have that, a blank page. that means page. we can go so, anywhere we want. What are we
0: gonna, what's going to be covered in this podcast? Not this episode, but the podcast, oh, the podcast in, in general. general. Uh, from now until we're in the old folks' home telling big stories about, yeah, back in 18, <laughs> yeah, it was a tough winter, but uh, boy, the elk, <laughs> man, we stacked them up. That's right. You know, we'll I, I, something we want to talk about.
1: My vision, I guess, and and you can correct me because I usually am off base. But mm-hmm. my my vision for everything I do in elk hunting is to educate others, yeah, and with one purpose. That's just to see them be successful. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, as we talk, there's going to be a lot of of things that we share not based on our supreme intelligence of elk hunting, but on our experience, which a lot of it comes from failure, to help others be successful. And that doesn't mean that we're saying, you know, follow what we do, do what we do, and you'll be as successful as we are. We don't want them to be that low on the totem pole. <laughs> we, we aspire for them yeah. to clear a higher we bar. We see an opportunity, you know, it's kind of like our children. We don't want them to be like us. We want yeah. them to be better. <laughs> and so this podcast isn't trying to get you to be like us. It's hoping that you can become uh-huh. better.
2: Yeah,
1: well, I, I
0: kind of see the same thing. Everything I've done with our platforms is about lowering hurdles. Yep. Getting people to understand, you can go do this. I mean, a lot of our listeners... Are probably already elk hunters, but there's probably a lot of them who are, they've elk hunted a time or two or they're something they aspire to do. And if a guy like me growing up in this little town in Northern Minnesota, who I thought that the only way I'd ever go elk hunting is if I took out a mortgage on a house and use that. I thought I had to hire someone to take me. Yep. I thought I needed some big dollar amount and then I move out west. I'm like, wow, I could go elk hunting. There's, there's hundreds of millions of acres of public land. I, I I can just go do this. I need to tell people about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I started flapping my big mouth. But for me, it's, <laughs> it's all about what shows people the opportunities that exist. And I've made a lot of mistakes in my whatever it is, 27, 28 years of elk hunting. I hope that people don't make as many mistakes
1: as I do, or as I as I did and as I still do. Yeah. And I see a theme there because I make more mistakes when I'm hunting with you than normal. Hmm, that so could be. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> there might be some contagious. Of course, it might be that there's or... a camera there and they actually record them, and so I have to actually right. fess, to up, fess, fess up, up to it. Up. That's,
0: that's it. <laughs> yeah, we record everything. So there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. Yeah.
1: You, you've seen that.
0: And, I'm pretty
1: uh, sure you've seen me miss an elk on an episode of Yeah Hunting with Randy. Oh, I, if we're talking
0: about misses, we, we're going to be here for like four <laughs> hours if I sit here and rattle off all my
1: misses. Uh, well, we could just talk about mistakes. I right. mean, we could just—I mean, we have plenty of those we've made. We could just share all the mistakes that go into elk hunting and let people figure out the rest of it from there.
0: Yeah, I think
1: that's what we should focus on in this podcast, at least this episode.
0: Maybe once we get through some of these overview things we'll get into (laughs) because Nosler asked me to do an article about my top five mistakes elk hunters make I'm like well I don't know about elk hunters but I'm my top five isn't even gonna be like one percent of the mistakes I (laughs) Um, I mean really how do you rank the mistakes yeah I mean every one of them was a bad mistake so maybe we'll tell you can give your five I'll give my five maybe there'll be some common (laughs) things there but yeah We'll have some time to think about that. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing I'd like to know from the audience is who they want us to have as guests because they're going to get really tired of you and I talking. There's only so much Dairy Queen
1: and grouse we can talk about. Yeah.
0: And Corey talks about elk hunting. And then when he's with me, he blames my distract, my habits or my addictions for his (laughs) distractions. So you do admit it's an addiction, it's an addiction, but you are a closet. Dairy Queen guy yourself, so don't, in spite of wearing that Mountain Ops hat up there, uh, and those are great guys at Mountain Ops, but I had to crack a little joke at him at the Total Archery Challenge last year. I brought a whole cooler full of dilly bars and I went over to their booth and I was handing all their employees dilly bars. <laughs> and they were eating them, They were eating them, I know. It's
1: hard to pass Jordan up a Casey dilly bar. case come
0: down the hill, walk over to their booth and all their employees you got chocolate. <laughs> dilly around. bar wrappers yeah. on the counter. Yeah. I hope no one got fired over that uh, gig, but. I'm so. actually
1: taking a little hiatus from dilly bars for a while, so. Really? I noticed. Yeah. You look like you're already in your fighting weight. Well, I'm uh, I'm under fighting weight, but I'm building back up to it, so. Really? Yeah. Huh. I'm cutting out sugars and, and gluten for a bit. And,
0: really? Yeah.
1: That, it's wow. hard. Why would you do that? <laughs> you walk through a store and you can't buy gluten or sugar, Yeah. You, 95% of the store is off-limits to you. I know. It's, it's pretty amazing. I ain't doing that. That's tough. I but once you do it, it's... I mean, it took a bit to just jump in and do it, but once you start... Really?
2: Yeah. Huh. Yeah.
1: And my whole philosophy is, you know, you get in or you get out what you put in, so... You get out what you put in. Does so that okay. make sense? Did I say that right? Yeah, you I think you did. Get out what you put in. Yeah, okay. Oh.
0: So you're not putting out. I'm not, not, not putting out dilly bar performance there anymore. There you go. You're not putting out any <laughs> sugar. You're not a very sweet guy. <laughs> For
1: a week, maybe huh. or
0: two. Well, I'm not at my fighting weight. Uh, not that I. Have I've a seen fight you after weight. hunting season, though. So yeah, I'm. You need dilly bars well, just to keep upright. Yeah, And when you hunt a hundred days a year and eat crappy food and don't get any sleep. It takes a toll on you. But right now you got a spare knee. My left knee is killing me. Really? Yeah. And I'm looking at the hunt schedule ahead. What is it now? It's late June. And my knee hurt. I can't hardly walk down my stairs at the house. So Randy, I'm not a doctor.
1: Pain. I'm not uh-huh. a doctor, but sugar uh-huh. is a major cause of inflammation. And inflammation is a major cause of pain, especially yeah. in joints. I, I'm, all, I'm, I'm, I'm following you. I, I don't know about the sugar part, but I'm following you on the inflammation causing pain. Yeah. No, sugar is a huge inflammatory. Really? So this, this podcast, folks, is not going to be about health necessarily, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts on health, hmm. and uh, we listened to a couple on the drive here, in fact, that talked about gluten intolerance, sugar intolerance, dairy intolerance, all these different things, yeah. And as I started listing some of the, the symptoms, brain fog and joint pain and things like that, I thought, man, I've experienced that. Really? So, yeah, that's kind of what's got me on that kick of just trying to cut some of these things out and see if there's an improvement. Huh. Well, I got a bum liver, so they have me on a
0: low-protein diet. What I, I can't do sugars. Can't I can't do carbs. I, carbs, can't, I can't do protein. Do... That leaves you fat. You're
1: going to be on the keto diet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to be eating muck from... No. You could eat bacon and salmon and broccoli. And tip and over food Good
0: stuff. I'll you know, be on a first name basis with a cardiologist is <laughs> no. what you're saying.
1: <laughs> See, that's all a myth too, but we won't go down. That's, yeah. a, that's a huge... Maybe we'll do a podcast on well,
0: if backcountry
1: we're... <laughs> meals and food that are healthy. There you go.
0: That, that'll work. I was going to say, if we're going to do one on fitness, you're going to lead that podcast. I I might be on vacation the week
1: you do the fitness one. We talk fitness, all I know is how I'm gonna be fitting a Snickers bar in my backpack this fall.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Glory's version of fitness. How am I gonna fitness in my pack? There you go. Well I'm I'm all on board with sugar snicker bars so how, how are you, are you on reckon... board or are you off board i'm on board you're I'm, on board with sugar yeah, i'm yeah. off the wagon I'm, but i'm on board right I, I don't ever get that when they say you fell off the wagon yeah i don't it sounds to me like you'd get on, got the wagon, on the wagon. yeah I, I don't know but my dad would always say yeah i fell off the wagon he, he, he never got on the wagon Sorry, but so
1: how'd we get on that one uh, and, uh, we're talking about topics. We're going to talk about. And oh, started f- with- fitness might
0: be one of them. Yeah. but that's that's going to be all you. Um, but back to this knee thing. I've got 21 days in Alaska in August that I'm dreading. I've been hiking and I come home and my knee hurts so bad for two days. It's like, uh oh, I said I need a packer. Yeah, I'm going to need a Sherpa. Yep, to carry some my rifles. I can't bring llama. You can't, now there's a, you can't use llamas in Alaska now that what? they found that transmittable MOV virus thing. They put a moratorium on using llamas in sheep country in Alaska, I believe. Wow. So that transmits to sheep from llamas. They don't know that, no. but it's kind of just, I mean, they know it does from sheep and goats, but I think it's a precautionary no. thing because no one's ever done the studies on llamas, but they're a camelid. I was going to say,
1: they're not a Yeah, a they're sheep not. So I,
0: I don't think that'll Did be a problem. Did you say
1: camelid? <clears throat> yeah. They're... Camelid, a camel. Did you just look that up on Google? Or no, did you know I didn't. That?
0: No, my buddy Bo Beatty, who owns uh, Wilderness Ridge Trail Llamas, yeah. is like the world. We should have him on here. He's like the world's expert on
1: cam, camelids. camelids. I, know, I know a new I, word.
0: I- I.E. llamas. Wow. So, but I can't get Bo's llamas up to Alaska, so I'm maybe I'm going to go to Anchorage and put out a sign, you know, <laughs> need a Sherpa. <laughs> we'll pay. I, I don't know. Anyhow. So I think we're going to have to talk about calling. Yeah. Um, so so far we're
1: listing all the things you're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's uh, let's let's broaden out a little bit here because I have come to you as a resource for scouting um, um, uh, for, for late season post rut hunting. Yeah, well, that's about all I
0: can do because, uh, you know, you can you, you can sit around the fire and glass for
1: elk. I mean, that's kind of my style. There There is some uh, some benefits to hunting later in the season. There is. I Another heard. one is the days are a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you don't you have to hunt rest. as long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Somebody get, says they hunted 23 miles in November or December. It's like, yeah, come right, on, really? Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, like Speedy Gonzalez yeah, there or something. Yeah, I have a hard time getting 14 <clears throat> miles in
0: September and, and the well, days when, are really long. When they tell me that, I said it, miles in the truck don't count <laughs> but. but that's rifle hunting right i mean that's yeah. how you're rifling you just drive around on a quad and i've heard that yeah i have never got an elk out hole maybe that's what we should have as a goal this year get an elk get hole. an elk out hole i've never got one out hole have you I, yeah oh, oh man i
1: grew up in a logging town
0: of course i got an elk out well, hole. yeah but i'm not smart enough to figure that out <laughs> i don't i'm not i'm not uh, disparaging anyone who gets them out hole They've got something figured out. Totally.
1: Maybe we need to have someone here who can teach us how to get them out whole yeah, on a both, regular basis. Both of them that we've gotten out whole that, that come to mind, and there may be more as I think about it, but both of them, we dropped the tailgate, mm-hmm. and they are on enough of an incline that we slid them into the back of the truck with the tailgate <sighs> backed up against the hillside. And then you took a picture down uh, driving down Main Street
0: with the elk all splayed out. And... Oh, with somebody sitting on the back of it straddling yeah. the elk holding yeah. the antlers up yeah, with the rifle go. in
1: the rack. Yeah, yeah that's, Isn't that how you're supposed to do it? Oh,
0: and you need it with the old Polaroid <laughs> camera there where the, the picture shoots out the bottom and you need a thumbtack to stick it up at the gas station there. For, yeah.
1: all the, for all the millennials who are listening to this, a Polaroid was a type of camera that you take a picture and it actually prints out. I mean, it was it was advanced. It was a printer and a camera in one. One, yeah. It printed the picture out right there and yeah. had a little white strip at the bottom so you could hold it and not get smudges on it. Yeah, every photograph I have of growing up is a Polaroid. Very cool. We're just dropping nuggets of information for know. all these listeners.
0: Yeah. I think we got to talk about archery hunting and rifle hunting both. Yep. I think actually, if you look at numbers, there's probably more people who rifle hunt oh, elk than archery hunt elk. Uh, but it, it, rifle hunting elk is kind of like the gateway drug to archery hunting elk.
1: It's, it is. It gets you into the sport, but man, there is nothing like hunting elk during the rut. No. Uh, I, I tell people that the video does
0: not do it justice. It the smells, the sounds, the vibration of the woods, just, you can feel it when, yeah. when they're mad at you and they're telling you, Hey, the time has
1: come to throw down. It's like, I get so excited. I yep. just, uh, you see an, you see an elk across the hillside at 150 or 200 yards, you get an adrenaline rush, you pull mm-hmm. up the rifle, you shoot it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's rifle that's hunting. And there's, there's a whole bunch of strategy that goes into it right. and finding them and, and that. But Mm-hmm. That's where archery hunting starts. Right there, when you pull the trigger on a rifle hunt, yeah. that's the beginning of your archery hunt. Yeah. So you get a whole advanced chapter there that comes after that rifle hunting story. So yeah, yeah it, it's the gateway drug. It get people in with a rifle, but if you want the real thrill and excitement of elk hunting,
0: you got to um, do it
1: during the rut. I, I agree, hundred percent.
0: I think we also got to talk about uh, you'd mentioned scouting. Yeah. We we need ideas comments from listeners whether they want to leave them do we have a place where they can leave them i don't know
1: out on our instagram page <laughs> uh instagram would be great yeah yeah just we'll skip. maybe we should put a post we maybe maybe we should start the instagram page that's on me
0: i This is how technologically challenged I am. Instagram thinks we're trying to hijack this new Instagram account that we put up, and it wants a security code, and it says it sent it to this email address. None of us have that email address. I have it, (laughs) and it's not going there. So I don't know if when my social media
1: person built that account, they used a different... Maybe they misspelled... Harry, maybe. Maybe. maybe they, didn't maybe, have spell maybe they chat. even spelled elk talk. See, maybe it's important that we spell that
0: out. <laughs> Anyhow, they, I'm sure out on Instagram, uh, they can leave ideas. But yeah. I really want their feedback about things that they think are gaps in in their personal knowledge, or maybe gaps in what's out there. And I, I'm still amazed that people listen to anything I have to say. <laughs> um, but if there's one benefit I have in my 27 years of elk hunting, or whatever it is, is I, I'm a CPA. And what that benefit is, is all my work is done by April 15th. So I just go hunt. So I get to hunt all kinds of places, all kinds of different environments, weapon types, low country, pinion juniper, high alpine, late season, early season. Every state, different climate. Yeah. So I get to make mistakes. I get to make a new mistake every day. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's the only thing I have to
1: provide as, as background about elk hunting. And I think really that's where the real lessons and, and knowledge of elk hunting comes. If you aren't experiencing it and making those mistakes, you aren't going to learn. You aren't going to advance. Yeah. And I think that's so important is you've got to go out there and try it yeah. and not be afraid to fail.
0: The first time I make a mistake, I'm not that mad at myself, but like the fourth time when I make the same
1: mistake, I'm like, Randy, come on. I mean... Really? Yeah. After the fourth time? Yeah. Man. I've been making mistakes since I was 11 or 12 years old, and I won't tell you how many years that is, Yeah. but I still make those same mistakes, and it's way more than four. Really? Yeah. No, I, I mean like same exact scenario,
0: same exact win, same exact setup. And you set up behind a tree or something. and Yeah, and four times in a row, I make the same stupid mistake. Okay, in a row, I don't do that. Well, maybe not in a row, but <laughs> over the course of my hunting life, yeah. I've made the same mistake, sometimes more than four. And, you know, the funny part is, is every once in a while, you, you cross off enough of the mistakes that you, now in a, like you said, experiment, I'm always trying something new. Yeah. I'm not afraid at all to experiment, and something
1: works. It's like, oh, man, I'm smart. Yep, you
0: no. Know, I, I, no, you're smart.
1: No, I, I'm lucky. No, you're smart. Okay. You're an educator. You've got to, you've got to at wow. least put on the persona that you're smart. Oh, really? <laughs> 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 I'm not even smart enough to know how to pretend to be smart. Somebody told me once, you need to convince people of this. And they, as they were telling me, I thought, hold on. If I'm needing to convince them, that means I'm not really yeah. that. So, is it a a false persona? I think it probably is. Yeah, for us. So, for those of you listening, Randy and I are really, really good elk hunters. We're really, really smart. Oh, yeah. And as we come across as as being not that intelligent, um, hopefully we can convince you we know what we're talking about. Yeah, because if
0: they looked at my report card in high school, they'd be like, how'd this guy get into college? (laughs) Really, I bought
1: my diploma. Really? Yeah, they were for sale. Wow. Yeah. In Minnesota? No, in Nevada. Oh, okay. well, everything's for sale in Nevada.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, boy, let's not go there. We don't want any sponsors <laughs> I from was, those places. I was of talking
1: places. about public lands. And... Oh, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about something else. Oh, gosh. We're halfway into episode one
0: and... Well, this is this is not going well, Corey. Yeah. I, I think that after this episode, people are going to be like, delete that from my subscriber list. <laughs> <there. laughs> Gohan's but, from Nevada. They know they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they're uh, good guys. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, Lorenzo, the the owner of Gohan, he has an Arizona elk tag this year. We're going down to help him and film, bringing our llamas. Like, I know Man. where they're at. Late season. Late season. Ooh. Yeah going to be a glassing game uh we're going way back into this place which in arizona it's really hard to get away from roads sometimes that's one thing i've noticed in arizona uh and in late season you know that by then they've been pressured so much they're in that sanctuary mode that i often refer to and so we're going to go back in there the llamas are going to haul in 50 gallons of water on the first (laughs) trip really
1: and then that's 500 pounds i know Llamas can carry 500 pounds. No, not one llama. Well, you did say llamas, plural. Right. No,
0: if you got four llamas, they can carry... 125 pounds each? No, uh, not that much. Oh, uh, I was going to say, that's impressive. I might. Yeah. So, 40 gallons of water. They can carry 90 pounds. Can they really? Yeah, these ones, the bohas, they're, they're like big monster things, man. They're taller than I am. Crossbred with a mule? No. Uh, I don't know what the deal is. Huh. You got them on... Uh, Camelid <laughs> growth hormones or something. <laughs> but anyhow, we're gonna go down to Arizona and even though they're having a terrible drought right right now. You think think the people will turn their tags back in when they hear what the drought conditions are? Can you do that? You can in Arizona now. Really? They have that point guard thing. Ah. Get your points back. I think you can do it once every five years or something like that. Hmm. You gotta pay five dollars in advance.
1: It's like five dollars no. of insurance. You know, I made a mistake one time. I drew a, a Utah tag. Mm-hmm. And it took 10 years to draw it. It was the cliff unit. And yeah. I had known people who had hunted it the three previous years and incredible experiences. So I had their experience to draw off of. And it was the worst drought in 27 years or something. Ooh. And everyone was warning me, you know, the antlers aren't going to be as big, which that's not why I hunt. Yeah, But I, you know, draw a tag like that. I want a, a big mature bull. Mm-hmm. And everyone's warning me, you know, it's, it's going to be hard. And my experience with droughts is... The elk are still there, but the rut is usually muted quite a bit. Hmm. And for rut hunting uh, during a drought, it can be difficult. But I just thought, you know what? We're going to go down there. It's it's Utah. It's a controlled hunt. We'll be just fine. Yeah. And I wish more than anything in hunting, I think, in, in my last 10 years of hunting, that I had turned that tag back in.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. We just, we couldn't find elk. They weren't where they normally are. And uh, when we did finally find them, we only had a day and a half left to hunt, and they were all bunched together, and it was great right there. But, you know, a hunt like that, you take 10 days and spend eight and a half days trying to find elk and literally having two or three call-ins that whole time, it was uh, not the experience I was wanting. So, yeah. if the option is there to, to turn a tag back in, I don't know what the deadline for Arizona is, but... Yeah, I don't know either. Especially for rut hunts. I mean, late season, I wouldn't be nearly as worried, but right. the rut does change during a drought. Huh. Well...
0: I, I don't have any tags I'm turning back in. <laughs> I'm just going with it, man. And you're going to yeah. convince anybody you're going with to turn a tag back in? Cause no.
2: Uh-uh. I don't a... want
0: anyone turning a yeah. tag back in. You know, I could tip over tomorrow from that uh, keto diet or whatever <laughs> you, you're going to put me on. <laughs> <The> Dilly bar disease? <laughs> so whatever it is. And, and I, uh, you know, for me, one. It, so I, it's kind of like this is how I look at it. People will say, well, I can hunt next week. Well, no, you could hunt this week and next week. It's not like you get, the the, the, the days you give up this week, it's not like you get them back. Right. So I'm never turning a tag back in if I, unless, I mean, if my marriage hangs in the balance, then I probably would. (laughs)
1: But weddings, funerals, no. I think we both have pretty... Understanding wives. Yeah, maybe Is understanding the right word. I, I don't know. Tolerance. Tolerant. My, my, there you my, go. Mine yep. would
0: fall under tolerance. She, yep. She's way smarter than I am. So I'm kind of like the, the not head black lab that you, you see on the street corner that she just tolerates.
1: Yep. And the, the well, lab that jumps up on everybody, no matter right. how many times you tell it to stay down. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's, how he I wags feel. his tail and he's happy. So <laughs> I'll put up with him.
0: So, no, maybe we need to do a podcast about how to convince your spouse to let you be gone all the time and convince them that you're doing it because it's a job. Right. Job implies a paycheck. Uh,
1: no, job implies work. Yeah. Uh, income implies a paycheck. Okay. So, so you, I, you have to separate the two. I have a job. I don't have income. <laughs> there you go. That's where I am too.
0: So I think if I, I had this income part associated with it, maybe she'd be even more tolerant. But Maybe. I I don't want to push my luck. So maybe we'll do a podcast on, uh, marital advice. I, I do a lot of that on my other podcasts, the Hunt Talk Radio one and, uh, I get people who argue with me.
1: Really? I'm like, how long you been married?
0: About well, four years. Well, <laughs> I'm going on thirty. You're pal. probably
1: still arguing with your wife too. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. You haven't resolved that. You know, there's certain ways to smooth out the road ahead.
1: Yeah. So, I listened to you uh, with the guys from Born and Raised Outdoors on a podcast. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And you'd said something about peace and justice. What was that? Right. If you want to know
0: the secret to longevity in a marriage, be more concerned about peace than justice.
2: No.
1: Uh-huh.
0: That's good. That's deep. That is deep. I mean, think about that as you're driving down the road listening to this podcast. Think about all the times you wanted to be right. Yeah. It's not worth being right. (laughs) The sooner you figure out you don't want to be right, the better off everything's going to be. Yep. I mean... Is that the secret to being able to hunt more? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. My dad came up with a couple other ideas. He'd buy plastic flowers. Buy 'em buy them in 1972, they're still <laughs> pull fresh. pull them out
1: every September. No, leave them out, dust,
0: <laughs> dust them off, you know, get the dust and the cigarette grease off them. And, uh, you know, always flowers there. Well, it worked. I, 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 I'm not going to argue with him. Yeah. I mean, I think about how much money I spend on fresh flowers. The guy had something going there. So, I mean, I, my dad and my grandfather especially were full of marital advice. A lot of it is not repeatable. <laughs> A lot of it I didn't understand when I was 10 years old. Finally, when
1: I got to be like 18, I'm like, oh, that's what they <laughs>
0: Oh, dad, dad, why were you telling me that when I was
1: 10 years old? But, you blushed when you were 18 at something you learned when you were 10. Yeah, 10. when I found, when, it, when the light clicked where I got like, oh,
0: that's what that means? I'm like, whew. But no one's looking, man. I'm sweating there. <laughs> but anyhow, so we, I don't think we need too much marital advice, so, but there is a lot to be said about getting to hunt. Yeah. A lot. And the more you hunt, the greater your likelihood of success. Yep. Yeah. And the more you, to get to hunt more, you got to have this marital thing figured out.
2: Totally. And, and
0: I'm not saying how it's got to be or what it's going to be. Just have a plan. Yeah. And to have a job where you don't have to
1: work in the fall. Easier said than done, right? True.
0: Yeah. My wife. Well, no, no,
1: you did say have a job, not an income. So have a well, job where you don't have to work in the okay. fall. Right. A- okay. And
0: income sometime during the year. During the year, yes. Yeah. I mean, my wife has said many times, you wouldn't have become a CPA if tax season was in hunting season, would you? Well, duh. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why do you think I put up for 30 years hanging around with a bunch of bean counters? <laughs> because it allowed me to hunt all the time. Yep. So. I think we need to talk about uh conservation projects. We need to talk about equipment and gear. Yeah. I mean, you're a gear junkie more
1: than anyone I know. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, I don't, don't consider myself a gear junkie. I just really? find what works best and use I it. I know, that's what I mean. Oh. That's yeah. a gear junkie? Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. You're 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 like maybe not a gear junkie. You're a gear some people call it a gear snob. You connoisseur. You, Oh, there you go. You
1: use gear that you know works. You're not going to be tricked into the latest doodad or gadget. And I will never trick somebody else into it either. I just, you know, and you've been on outdoor TV. You know the whole game there. Right. You've been fortunate. I've watched you through the years, same sponsors. Yeah. You know, because you have a relationship and you believe in it. But I watched outdoor television kind of ruin credibility for brands Mm -hmm. and for, you know, the people who are promoting the brands because every season they're promoting something different. <laughs> you know, brand A, this is the best thing ever. It's the best one I've ever used. And they get a paycheck from somebody else a week later. And Well, this is the best one I've ever used. They don't even look right. back at the one they were using a week before. And that's, I decided a long time ago that wasn't the path I was going. I was going to use what works best and if there's an opportunity to partner with somebody, you know, if, if I have a platform that provides them with some value, they have a product that provides me with some value and we can partner. That's great. If not, I'll go buy it at full retail because I need, have confidence in my gear yeah so one of
0: the things i hang out with a lot of millennials on purpose one it makes me feel younger Uh, (laughs) it hasn't made my hair any less gray but one of the things that i've they point out to me is how much i take for granted that like my camera crew yeah marcus is 28 michael's 25 i think dan is 24 Uh, my son matthew who kind of has helped me build all my other platforms elsewhere he's 28 And I'll be rambling along, saying something and doing a piece. And they're like, cut, 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 cut. I'm like, what? They're like, you went from A to Z without filling in any of the gaps. I'm like, really? Well, nobody wants to hear about that. They're like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they do. So they slow me down or pull me back and say, no, talk about every step here. And uh, that's just because I'm old and impatient. They're... This is wisdom my grandma always told me. Beware of an old man in a hurry. And uh, I, I don't know what, the, mm. uh, what context she was bringing that with, but she said it often. Wow. wow. I got to be careful that I'm not the old man and in the hurry to try to say, well, this is what you do. Because you make so many assumptions yeah. along the way that everyone has done this or done that. And I'm not saying I've done everything. It's just sometimes I, I forget to fill in the gaps and details and yep. people are like, hey. You know, what do you use here? How do you use that? Or I mean, like when I hunt with you, I'm taking notes. <laughs> I'm like, no, really. Uh, I it's I think everybody should hunt with someone who is a little bit of an opposite of they are. Like you're very aggressive in your hunting. Yeah. I was always like this passive, oh, I don't want to scare them off kind of guy. And then after a couple hunts with you, it, well, part of it is just trying to keep up with you. But <laughs> you're you're like getting after it you're not standing around waiting for anyone when we get done
1: in a canyon there is nothing left alive in there and (laughs) it's usually because we've ran them all out of there not because we've killed them all but yeah we're we go in there and uh, Mm -hmm. take names later yeah no and that's been very eye-opening
0: for me and i've heard other people say oh man i'm glad i hunted with you because you have a completely different approach and style and i wouldn't not thought about that or so hopefully we can share some of those experiences with the audience. Um,
1: yeah. some of, I think we have a, a title for this episode though. Yeah. Never trust an old man in a hurry. That is, I'm going to write that one down. Really? I'll forget okay. it by this, by this <laughs> afternoon, but I'm going to write it down because that's a, that's good advice to live by. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Like, Cause I get in a hurry. I, you know, yeah. my aggressive mindset, my goal oriented, focused, Mm-hmm. you know, mission-oriented mindset, sometimes I don't enjoy the experience like I should. And it's, I'm the old man, uh, not old yet, but I'm yeah. a middle-aged man in a hurry. Yeah. And if I don't <laughs> slow down, I'll be the old man in a hurry and nobody will be able to trust me. So it's uh, I noticed that I took my 11-year-old fishing the other night and we were just stream fishing for a little brook trout. And if there's not a fish biting when one or two casts in a hole, yeah. I'm looking for the next hole. Yeah. And it takes him that long just to get to the hole and get his hook undone. I've already fished it out and moving on. Uh-huh. And I finally had to stop and say, is this about you or about him? And so I just, you know, hooked my hook on the eyelet and let him fish and just carried him along there, you know, and said, okay, here's a good hole. Go go cast in that one. But yeah. I find myself sometimes needing to slow down and yeah. well, not always be aggressive.
0: But it serves you well. I in mean, certain
1: situations, yes.
0: I've... I've yeah, the way that you uh, call elk is very similar to how I walleye fish. And I just got done walleye fishing. If there are fish that I see on my electronics and they don't want to bite, I just call them carp and I move on. Yeah. If you don't want to play, I'm I'm going on to the next one. It doesn't one. matter what they are. If they yeah. aren't biting,
1: you aren't going to catch them. Right. So.
0: <laughs> and so I've, I've watched you kind of do this. Uh, you know, I'm like, well there's got to be elk in here. There's tracks or whatever. And you'd say, well, they don't want to play. We'll come back later.
1: Yeah. Is that kind of your... Oh, totally. uh, Yeah. I mean, if, if I was, if I was set out and I was the, the chief hunter going out to bring meat back, I would hunt mm -hmm. differently. I mean, if I had to go out and my village was, was depending on me to bring meat back for dinner that night, Mm -hmm. I might hunt differently, but I want to call in an elk. That's my goal. I want to have that vocal interaction with an elk and if I want to have that and I want to be successful at it, I have to find an elk that's vocal. Yeah. And so that might mean walking by 10 elk that aren't, aren't vocal, the same as walleye. You know, you yeah. might, there might be three state record walleyes right underneath you on your fish finder. Yeah. But if they aren't biting anything you're throwing at them, it doesn't matter how big yeah. they are, you aren't going to catch them. Right. No, I move on to the next spot. Yep. Huh. Well, the fun part about uh,
0: hunting with someone like you is because you are so vocal. And I'll ask, Corey, what'd
1: you just say to him? He'll be like, I don't know. Well, let's, let's back up. I'm not vocal. I bugle a lot. Right. So I'm, I'm okay, an introvert. What, like, what,
0: what's the difference between saying I bugle a lot and I'm not a vocal elk on
1: Well, you said that I'm vocal. Like I just okay. walk around talking all the oh, time. Oh, no, no. I didn't mean that. <laughs> all right.
0: Sorry. Clarification, folks. Corey's walking around calling all the time. Yeah. And uh, that was an eye opener to me. And when you said,
1: oh, we'll come back later, I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I, I do remember do a particular bull in Montana that we did leave. He was bugling and we left him mm-hmm. and came back later. Yeah. And I missed him, but we did call him in. Yeah. Well, he, he I think he just wanted to keep hunting. Well, <laughs> Unfortunately, that was our last date on, so <laughs> I can't use that one as an excuse. That day, I did pass up a bull the first day, and that was my right. excuse. Then was I didn't want it to be over quite that early, but boy, I, I, that that wanted to be a TV star in he the did. worst way,
0: and he was. He was. He got his. He's got his. 15 minutes, not 15 seconds, 15 minutes of fame.
1: And I'd say he's bigger this year and and can be a bigger TV star, but he probably got, I mean, it's public land, general tag. He probably didn't make it through rifle season. but Maybe not, but if he did,
0: I'm going to shoot him this year because (laughs) I'm going back there. Rifle season opens October 20th in Montana this year.
1: And you're going back to that area?
0: I'm going, I know how they migrate out of there. Mm -hmm. I know where they're going.
1: So, all four of them are going to
0: migrate all out and four. you're going to be ready. I'm going to shoot one of them. The, <laughs> the population of bulls is going down 25%. You're going to go from four to three. Hey. Hopefully. Hopefully, there's still four there. Oh, well, yeah. Did we call? I think we did. You come call in a bull every day. Did we? Yeah.
2: The same oh, one a couple days. times.
0: No, <laughs> there, there's the one you missed, there's the one from the first day. There's the one up by the ATB trail. Yeah. Um, there's the one down in the hole where I was just praying, please, bull, don't come in. I don't want to carry one out of here. Uh,
1: Which one was that?
0: The the little raghorn that sounded. He's a little four by five. Sounded like he's a big. Oh, that's seven right. Down, down in the thick
1: alders in the yeah. in the grizzly den, where, where all the grizzly yeah. tracks were. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, he did come in. He did. I thought you were lying. I saw yeah. it on footage. Oh, he did yeah. come in. So, it's uh, yeah. This year I'm. It's very seldom our rifle season opens that early. We're in Idaho, When's, when does your rifle
1: uh, season open? The 15th in, in the central and southern part of the state. Northern Idaho, it opens on the 10th of October. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so you guys still might have some bugles. You can get some bugle, especially location bugles, you know, the first day or two. And even if you get back in away from the crowds, even on the 15th, uh, Isaac, I called you a couple of years ago because I had no clue how to rifle hunt. I said, hey, my son's 12 and he can't archery hunt and... I need tips on the rifle hunting, and so we followed your tips, and and fortunately they were bugling that morning. But it was October twenty third or twenty fourth. Wow! And uh, we called one in, actually called both of them in. It didn't come screaming in like they do in September, but it right. came in to check us out, and he ended up shooting a really nice six point. So yeah, I still credit your wisdom wow. for that. Well, successful hunt.
0: That's undeserved. That's rather generous of you. (laughs) Well, I certainly Uh, couldn't claim any wisdom there. Wow, it's it is interesting to think about how many different experiences I have, and all of us have who get the the blessing of hunting a lot. Uh, My son and I shot two bulls out of the same herd that were bugling on Halloween. Yeah, I, I mean, what's the odds of that? Some, something happened there. There was yep. one or two cows in that herd that must have missed the first cycle and... Came into a
1: second rut and second estrus.
0: Yeah, and man, it was really, really noisy. They were not going to be deterred. Yep. And, uh, well, all right, I guess we'll have to take you out of your misery. <laughs> <laughs> and so we shot two of them about five minutes apart. But that's that's really the oddity. Yep. I mean... Then you go the other direction, and I've heard people say, oh, no, they're screaming opening weekend in Colorado, which is usually, what, the last Saturday in August? Yeah. Something like that. When does your Idaho archery Uh opening?
1: August 30th. Okay. So in, it's kind of the same. We hunted Colorado one year opening weekend, and we were into a, a bugle fest there. Really? Um, Idaho, we've had several opening days, opening weekends in Idaho that are just incredible. I mean, aggressive bugling, big bulls. Um, we're hunting Oregon this year for Roosevelt and it opens, I think, August 25th or 26th sixth, first Saturday in, or the last Saturday in August. And, uh, from what I'm told, you know, they aren't as aggressive yet. They aren't as vocal, but they'll still talk. Really? And if an elk will talk, you can call it in. Okay. That's Corey's That's I'm, I'm, philosophy. That's my philosophy. If an elk
0: I'm, will talk, you can call him I'm in. I'm going to get a bumper sticker or a t-shirt, man, that says, <laughs> if he's talking, he's coming in. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> huh. So you, you hunt Wyoming quite a bit. And their season opens September 1st and you usually go early.
1: We do. And you guys don't seem to have any lack of elk show up. No. And honestly, and we can go into it in another episode, but I love hunting early for several reasons. But the primary one. What
0: are those reasons?
1: Primary one is just the herd bulls aren't herd bulls yet. They aren't in with the herd. So you get those bigger bulls before they're herded up and they're a much easier target. And, you know, you look at how a wolf hunts in the winter they look for the solo bulls or the small bachelor groups of bulls because they're an easier target than a group of 100 elk. Yeah. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target-rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out to, uh, to harvest, you, you need to have a, a solo target there. It's much easier to go into than a, a big group. So those herd bulls in that early part of the season before they're grouped up and, and really hanging with the harems are a much easier target. They're still aggressive. They're still territorial. They're still vocal. And if you can get in there before they group up, it's usually dynamite. So I have a
0: New Mexico archery elk tag this year that is the first season, September 1st through the
1: 14th. Are you saying I should be there on the 1st? New Mexico is a different beast in my experience, and I've only experienced (laughs) it once. But I couldn't call in an elk during the second season there with you, so Uh. I... uh, I don't know. I, needless to say, I didn't apply for that unit this year. <laughs> really? Yeah. After our experience. If you would have, ago. I would have questioned.
0: <laughs> I absolutely
1: would have said, you're doing what? Uh, that was rough. That was a rough hunt. Yeah. Well, I just, I've
0: always been one of those guys who I go the last half of September. Yeah. If if my calendar, if my calendar's open and I can say, this is when I'm going to go, just because it seems like I hear more elk and I have more encounters. I can't say I kill a lot of elk, but yep. I have a lot
1: of encounters and I have a lot of fun. Um, and there's so many factors, I think, that go into that. You know, the, the 20th through the 30th, the elk are going to be so incredibly vocal. I mean, you don't have to take your calls. You'll hear elk calling. Yeah. But they're vocal for a reason. They're trying to keep their herd together. They're, you know, cows are coming into estrus. The bulls are focused strictly on breeding at that point. And trying to get their attention away to come to you can be tough. They are going to leave a cow in estrus to come to you, no matter how sweet you sound as a cow. And if you're bugling, they're going to think I've got a cow in estrus, this other bull, if he gets here, he could be the one breeding her. And so it's just, it's hard to call them in and, uh, you know, spotting and stalking or shadowing the herd is effective during that time and they're vocal. So that helps. But for me to call in an elk, uh, that early part's good. Hmm. And there's a lot of other things, you know, you mentioned, that latter half of the season, you've got the, the fall equinox, which yeah. is the day that the nighttime is equal to the daytime. And that usually hits September 20th, 21st, 22nd, somewhere in there. Yeah. And I think that's what triggers the cows to come into estrus is the daylight, the amount of daylight there. And so you look at the the fall equinox and the timing of that, you look at the full moon and the moon phase, you look at weather, uh, you look at all these different things. And I mean, it's a, it's a complicated puzzle to try to guess what week's going to be the best. And then you add in your hunting style and right. it gets even more confusing. So, I guess the answer is go hunt. take your time and
0: go do it. <laughs> just go hunt. <laughs> yeah, don't sit around, don't have analysis paralysis yep. and, and end up not going just because you're, oh, it'll be, that, that'd be my worry. Is yeah. If someone says, oh, I'll go next week. Ah, oh, it's going to be hot next week. Okay, I'll go the week after. Oh, we're Pretty soon man. season's and, over. Yeah,
1: season's over and you've hunted three days. Yep. Uh, don't do that. But I think it's also important to understand how the elk might be acting through the different parts of the season and, and know that the week you're going, they can absolutely be hunted, but you just might encounter a different situation that you might need to react to a little differently. Yeah, I'd say that's
0: one of the common questions I get because we do this elk talk live thing on Facebook and live stream every Wednesday night where people get to ask questions. And one of the most common ones is I drew this tag or I'm going over the counter in Colorado or Idaho or wherever.
1: What week should I hunt? Yep. I always say whatever week you can make it work. Yep. Don't. And I write an article every year on Elk 101 about what's the best week to elk hunt this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't pick a week, but I talk about the what's going to be happening during every week. So those people go, they realize if you're hunting the third week this year, it's prime time when we look at fall equinox. It's prime time when we look at vocal elk. But this year it's also the full moon. Right. And so just be aware that the elk are probably going to be out all night during that prime time doing their breeding and being vocal. And a half hour after daylight, they're probably heading to the north face to bed for the day And that doesn't mean you're out of luck. There are strategies and tactics you can use during the middle of the day to to go and hunt those elk where they're going to be really active. So don't head back to camp and make you hash browns and bacon and (laughs) gluten toast. Uh, Yeah, and eat sugar and have swollen joints and pain, right?
0: (laughs) That's right. One of the common, I think, misconceptions people have, and maybe it happens and I just have never had it happen to me, is that you hear an elk bugle and you start cow calling or setting up 200 yards away and he's going to come walking Man, in. I've never had that happen.
1: Really? No. I have.
0: Really? Yeah. It's fun when it happens. Huh. But it's not very frequent. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and maybe they've come in and I just didn't see him or hear him or whatever. Maybe it's happened a time or two. Yeah. But I see a lot of people like, oh, I hear him. Yeah, get set up. Well, the elk is 200 yards away. I Guess Or what? 400 or... Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they're going to come running in like a coyote yep. to a predator call. I, I don't know. I, I'm not an expert on it, but uh, I, I see a lot of people do that, and then yeah. they complain, well, that call didn't work. Or, or the elk are it.
1: call shy, or yeah. you can't call elk. The first time we hunted Arizona, everyone. I'd never hunted out of state. Arizona was my first experience out of state. Mm-hmm. And I was young and dumb and fortunately smart enough to start building points, and I built up to three points or four points wow. and drew one of the best archery tags in Arizona with four <laughs> points. Whew and clean living oh it was yeah actually the state got sued and yeah 2005 (laughs) 2005 is my first time and hunted unit one in Arizona in the White Mountains and and everyone told me don't even take your calls elk will not come to calls in Arizona they're call shy they're pressured they're this they're that well I'm not going to leave my calls at home right going to anywhere to hunt elk and so we showed up and I think in the first Two days we had messed up eight or nine setups. Wow. Because we were being too aggressive and trying to get in close to the elk when the elk were running to the calls. Huh. And I left that hunt thinking we killed three elk in three days there. And I left that hunt thinking if you cannot call in an elk in Arizona, you will not be able to call in an elk anywhere. <laughs> especially <laughs> in Idaho or Montana. Yeah. Have have you been back there since? I have. I went back three years later and drew another premier archery tag
0: man you know what I happened know. that
1: year a tag application service forgot to turn in the tags and oh, tens yeah. of thousands of people didn't get their tags turned in right. or their applications turned in and so the odds were incredibly good that year yeah so i, I just rely on the state of arizona to make mistakes or something someone to some, make a yeah, mistake. something but, yeah. regarding the application or the draw process to make a mistake huh and i'll get a tag yeah How i'm many? back up to 11 points now and i still haven't drawn so really see yeah. It's the law of large oh. numbers is <laughs> catching up with law you of now. averages do not bypass anyone yeah huh
0: i got three points in arizona because i drew last year
1: yep so how do you have three points just drawing last year
0: well if you go to the gohunt.com insider you'll know all this information <laughs> but i'll tell ah. them i went down and i took the hunter ed class did you I haven't yet. That's oh. a permanent lifetime bonus point. It never goes away. So even though I drew in 2017, you'd think my points would go back to zero. But it's a one-day class. I flew down to Vegas, rented a car, went to Kingman, Arizona, uh, the rod and gun club there, and Kingman puts it on. They do three or four of them a year. And you, if you've taken Hunter Ed somewhere else, you then – go for this one day class
1: field day basically right
0: yeah and it's it's an intensive 16 hours of you know sitting there taking notes and you got to pass at the yeah. end obviously it's not <laughs> not one of those uh participation trophies um and so i got that point and then arizona has the loyalty point system where if you apply for any species for five consecutive years and you never miss a year you have that loyalty point. So coming into 18, even though I would drawn in 17, I had my hunter head point and my loyalty point and I didn't draw this year, so now I got 3 points going into next year. So you can if, draw another late season tag. That's fine with me. Yeah. I I'm, I'm like into that Arizona late season stuff. That's that's my style. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know, the days are shorter. Yep. You get out there before sun comes up. The weather's still decent. Oh yeah. You, you wait them out. They're And they're, for me, anyhow, and Arizona has, and New Mexico is somewhat similar, has very high densities of elk. They're, it's not like they have elk habitat throughout the entire right. state. And so some people say, oh, Arizona has only 35,000 elk. Well, those 35,000 elk are in a, a pretty yeah. constricted band of habitat. And by the time the late season comes around in late November, early December, they've already had... Uh, a rifle or uh, early, some units they've yeah. had an early rifle season or early muzzleloader. They've already had an archery season. They've probably had a cow hunt or two in there. Uh, some of the units have a November archery hunt. These bulls have figured out, you know what, there's a lot of people in the woods. I'm heading down into this canyon or I'm going up into that burn or that blowdown or whatever. And so the predictability of where you're going to find elk in Arizona in these late seasons is more predictable than any place I hunt of all the places I go.
1: Yeah, they're already densely focused in an area of habitat before they get pressured. Once they get pressured, that that area becomes even smaller. And. Right, and a lot of people
0: I encounter are like, oh, man, I'm, I don't know where they all went or blah, blah, blah. They disappeared. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, wolves, or uh, you, You'll hear the whole, you know, Obamacare, whatever the cause is. And, uh, yeah, I find it remarkable how, I, and I, I'm not saying I've got it all figured out, but those late-season hunts, when these elk have been pressured that much and I don't care what state it is. Even in Montana, you know, our rifle season stays open until the Sunday after Thanksgiving. That last week of season, they've been pressured for 11, 10 weeks now. Yeah. You know the types of places you're going to find them. It's not like they're evenly distributed across the landscape. Yep. So if you know where to look for them, you can find them with pretty good regularity. Yep. And so, yeah, that's why I I... And I like Arizona. They give you two choices, right? They look at your first and second before they go on to the first, the the next guy. I swing for the fences, <laughs> on my because the same year you are talking about when Arizona got sued, two thousand five. Yep. So I apply in Nevada. I've got seven or eight points, and in my mailbox comes a Nevada elk tag. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! I, whoa! How great is this? Well, I call my buddy Jerry who's from Williams, Arizona, right there, where units 8 and 10 and 7 and uh, all those come together. It's like the elk mecca of Arizona. Like, Jerry, if I draw another elk tag, my wife's going to kill me. (laughs) Oh, apply for unit 10 early rifle. You'll never draw. Don't. (laughs) That was before Arizona let you buy a point. Like two years later, they converted to where you could just buy a point. And all right applied didn't think anything of it and i look at i think yeah, back then i can't remember it if, came some, out late it was like yeah, july yeah yeah somehow either it came in the mail or i i it's so long ago i can't remember but anyhow i got tag number six out of what the, i think there were like 40 tags or something wow i'm like Oh, I mean, <laughs> my excitement jumping up and down at the mailbox, doing like the icky shuffle out there. Cold cuts, yeah. give me some cold cuts. Going <laughs> to get some cold cuts. Going to get some cold cuts. I'm doing the icky shuffle, and then it's like, oh, I gotta tell I my hope wife didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta tell my wife, so I go in the house and feign like. Oh no! Like drama! Like oh, I know what I'm Today's gonna do. Today's the worst day ever. Yeah, I got <laughs> this other Arizona elk tag, and you know the the extended tax deadlines, right? Like oh man, and being the wonderful wife she is, she's like, well, I'm sure the partners will help pitch in, so you can go take advantage of that. <laughs> it was like, and so I told her the Nevada tag. I'm like, this is a once in a lifetime. I, I boy, I got to block out two weeks. Yeah. Well. And I told her this other elk tags once in a lifetime. And she's like, well, how many lives do you yeah, plan How many living? lifetimes are you
1: going to live this, this yeah. season? Well, then
0: Montana comes out the week after that. And my son draws a Missouri Brakes rifle elk tag. Yeah. So in 2005, we're, I got Nevada, Arizona early rifle in unit 10 and a Missouri
1: Brakes in Montana. So all six people who are still listening right now at this point <laughs> hate us.
0: I know. Uh, but the point of that is I started playing this point game in 1993. So people are like, how do you draw so many tags? Well, I've got gunny sacks full of <laughs> points in a lot <laughs> of places. Uh, and yeah, I've burned them a lot. But even now, in some of the states where I've burned a lot of them, yeah. I'm starting to... Work my way
1: back Look, I mean, Arizona, scale. it doesn't seem hardly any time ago when I was there hunting, and I've got 11 points. Yeah. And we could draw again. We held out this year because of the moon phase, but... Oh, you did? We did. Oh, probably a good idea because of the just drought. Just with the too. drought and the moon phase and everything, I just, that I, I'm to a point now where if I'm going to spend 10 or 15 points, mm-hmm. I want a good hunt. Yeah, You know, before it was the experience of going somewhere different and learning some new areas. I've been, I've hunted eight of the 10 western states for elk and there's some incredible elk hunting out there. Yeah. But if I'm going to take 10 or 15 years of investing time and there's no doubt there's money invested into building points. Right. I want it to be a special hunt. Yeah.
0: Well, that's where you and I are lucky. We live in states where we get to hunt elk every year. (laughs) I mean, I don't, we
1: can buy two antlered elk tags you can we can yeah we can go down to the walmart and buy an elk tag for thirty-one fifty or whatever it costs as a resident yeah and if we're willing to pay the non-resident price we can buy a non-resident antler elk tag for the exact same unit or any other unit and we can go out and we can shoot two elk in one day with two tags in our pocket <sighs> man and not have to travel out of state. Yes, it's $416 for a non-resident tag. You're not going to get a lot of sympathy from the non-resident
0: listeners when you say $416. They're going to be like, oh.
1: Yeah. I get a hunt from home for two yeah. elk for under $500 in tags and license. Wow. I didn't know that. I knew they did that for deer. I didn't know they yeah. did that for elk. Elk's the same. So I, I could so, buy an archery elk tag and I could also buy a rifle elk tag and hunt archery and rifle. Or I could hunt two elk during archery season or...
0: Wow. Well, that's where we, I think, anyone who lives in a state where you can do in your backyard elk hunts every year, like Colorado, yep. Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Oregon, it, we have a little bit different strategy. We can swing for the fences or we can hold our our points or whatever yep. for what we think might be the perfect year, the perfect conditions, because it's not like we're not going elk on. Yep. We're... We're going to hunt out the back door every day. And so that does give us
1: uh, an advantage. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, uh, all right. Yeah, that's that's another confessional statement there. Yes, we are. We're spoiled. We are. And uh, I'm sure someone living in Iowa listening to this is like, yeah, you're damn right. you spoiled, <laughs> banging on the dash of their cars. They're like, you guys have no idea what it's yep. like. So I, I try to be cognizant of that as I'm talking to people about elk hunting. And I get it if people say, no, I'm saving my points, I'm saving my points. And I tell them, if you're saving your points, then if you can,
1: while you're building points, still go hunt yeah. elk somewhere. And I know. was talking to Chad this morning, walking up the stairs here about that same thing. I would go to Arizona and do elk calling seminars. Mm-hmm. And people would come up afterwards and you know, say, I've only got six points, so it's going to be another six years before I draw. But when I do, I want to buy some elk calls. Mm -hmm. and they had no desire and no plan to go elk hunting until they draw their once-in-a-lifetime tag in Arizona with 12 or 15 points. That is their first elk hunting experience. They go out, you know, they get all serious that summer and go out on their first elk hunt after dropping 15 points on a tag. No experience, no, you know, no success under their belt, and the odds of being successful on that hunt are so incredibly low that, Right, you know, I think that's what you were alluding to, buy an over-the-counter tag in Colorado or Idaho or anywhere. Yeah, and go. And just go. Just go be in elk country and get the experience and realize, okay, these mountains are steep. I need to be in better shape <laughs> when I draw that tag with 15 points so I don't sit in camp for a week and a half and right. wish I'd gotten better shape or whatever it is, but experience it. Yeah, and there's so many things that translate. Even if it's you're going for a, a cow elk hunt,
0: there are so many things that translate to that, to hunting Bull elk, I mean, uh, if it's your first hunt, well, first of all, are you going to find any better meat on the mountain than a cow elk? And you're still going to have all the things about the logistics of camps and uh, reading land ownership, surface ownership, navigating that. You're going to have taking care of it without it spoiling in the field. There's so many things that are very similar and are great, parts of that learning curve, if you've never been on a bull elk hunt, uh, I, sometimes people
1: almost sound apologetic. Well, I'm going cow elk hunt.
0: <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> Get fired up about I that. I would imagine there's Yo. more
1: cow elk hunters than bull elk hunters in a year. I, I'm pretty sure in Idaho, they give out more, at least in draw statistics. I think there are more draw tags for antler lists than antler elk. And Yeah, so... Yeah, in Montana
0: now, a lot of our general units—they've converted them to either sex tags. So, you know, people will be like, "Hell, I ended up shooting a cow." <laughs> but yeah. you should be dancing in the street,
1: man. Yeah. What? If your goal was to put meat in the freezer, yeah, you were at the top of the top of the list on success right there. Yeah, I mean, that's how I got into hunting. It was all about
0: food. Yep. Which that goes back to y- your observation of my grouse affliction, is
1: all about food. It's hard to beat a grouse. Yeah.
0: Well, um, for uh, you,
1: you you do a pretty good job of beating the grouse and yeah, but, I,
0: but whatever. I don't care if it's rocks, sticks, yep. arrows, twenty gauge. I'm I'm after them. I twenty gauge. Yeah, twelve gauge, ten gauge, whatever. Punt gun, <laughs> cannon slug. Yeah, I don't care. Whatever I have available, <laughs> and that goes back to growing up. Grouse were like you didn't ever flush a grouse. I was like, why would you flush one? You, you're more than likely going to miss. Well, and then you're going to put pellets all over. I mean, we hunted grouse with 28-inch full chokes. Which you talk to, you know, <laughs> some sophisticated grouse hunter with all of his decked out tweed and, you know, his $8,000 dog. He's there with a side-by-side with one at least improved cylinder and maybe one modified or maybe both improved cylinder. Not us, man. We were full choking them. We were taking heads <laughs> off at 40 yards. Because if you got BBs in the breast, yep. man, you were you're going to hear about it. Oh, yeah. Somebody bites down on a BB and they look right at you and say, this is the one you shot. Exactly. But my point of that is, for me, uh, hunting in our family was about food. It it was, and so I will never get away from the food aspect of it. And cow elk hunting is, (laughs) I I try to tell people, you know, if, if I wasn't so fortunate to be in the position I am and have the blessings I have of getting down as much as I do, I would have no reservations. I'd be excited to put a cow elk in my freezer every yep. year
1: and make no apologies for it. Totally. Yeah, so. and that's that's the beauty of <clears throat> of hunting and providing is the variety. Yeah. You, know, you talk rabbit and grouse and my thirteen year old daughter shot a bear last week and I've got bear <sighs> chopped up ready to make stew this week when we get home and so I, I mean just that. having that variety of, of different organic, healthy foods is I think important. Yeah, well, and it doesn't matter the, if it's got antlers or not. At that point, the variety is the meat. And- yeah,
0: and I, it gets back to your point about go elk hunting. Don't just wait and build points forever. And because you guys in Idaho don't have a point system. No, nope. and I'm sitting on in many states more than twenty points for certain yeah. species. And for all the the once in a lifetime type things like moose and goats and sheep, I'm if I'm not at over twenty points, I'm close. I would give away all those points in every state if they just go back to a random just draw random. like Idaho
1: has. Yep. I, and I know some people are going to be like, "That's blasphemy." But <laughs> uh, well, we'll do another podcast on that because I have yeah. actually, you know, gone to fishing game meetings yeah. and legislature and written several articles on showing, and it's the engineered part of me. Engineered. Engineered part of me <laughs> is, you know, I love Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. And you can show odds really well on Excel spreadsheets. And so I have went through years and years of data from draw odds and shown how they change with, you know, with points, the states that have points versus without points. And also looking at some of those hard-to-draw hunts. So, you know, the Missouri Breaks or something that's hard to draw, a coveted tag that's 10% draw odds or less. Right. You throw points into that, Mm -hmm. in 15 years, your odds are no different than they were without it. The problem is, is now you've got somebody who's new, a youth, a child, or a new hunter coming in that's 15 years behind you that has no chance of drawing that tag. Not only do they have a... point system. Yeah. So it's... There are, I think there are certain <laughs> systems where it's beneficial, mm-hmm. but if you are looking at point system as your go-to to be guaranteed a tag, unless you get in on the ground floor, right. it's not going to help you. Yeah. Well, I was lucky to be in on
0: the ground floor and not completely, but...
1: Yeah. If you have close. 20 points, you're, there's yeah. not many states that have been around right. doing points for more than and 20 years. I
0: sat on the Montana committee that uh, came up with our point system. Uh, That was in 1999, I believe. So I'd have been 35. And I was the youngest person on that committee by 15 years. And when I suggested that we keep half of the tags out of the point system as a general, like, just, you know, Random. random draw, you would have swore that I was there promoting some sort of illegal and immoral activity. Everyone's like, what? <laughs> I'm, I need three more limited entry bull elk tags no. before I die. And uh, I still think that that was detrimental yeah. to, yeah, at least for for certain hunts where if, it, if you have very few of the tags, what difference does a point system make if everyone's got the same number of yeah. points? Other than the people who don't, you know, the young people who've been coming in, all it is is it's just punitive to them. It's yeah. not beneficial, really, to anyone else. And in Montana, as if we didn't have it kind of <laughs> askew bad enough, we decided to square our points. Yeah. Like, I don't know, five years ago, the legislature passed a bill. Well, I commented that I thought that was a stupid idea. I thought I was going to get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what good does it do? All of us have now, I think 18 is the maximum sheep points in Montana. If... Ten thousand residents all have maximum sheet points. What good does it do yeah. to
1: square them? So what's eighteen times eighteen? Oh, three hundred and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what three hundred and sixty. Or... I don't. But anyway, you take that and you break it down for those ten thousand people. Mm-hmm. Your odds are the exact same as if it was no points, right? And that's after eighteen years of applying. Yes, you have a slightly better odd than somebody getting in at ground level, right? Yeah, it just, and and for once in a lifetime, it might make sense in some states and some areas, but points only work and you're able to predict that you're going to draw points if there's preference points, which, like Colorado, if you have the most points in the draw, you are going to draw that tag. Right. But in Colorado, I started putting in for Unit 2 and Unit 10, 201. Mm -hmm. This was 16 years ago, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it took, I think, five or six points to draw as a non resident. Yeah. You can't draw that tag as a non-resident now. Right. Unless you have max points, which is 20-something. Yeah. And a unit like 61 Mm -hmm. that used to be able to draw with four or five points, it's up to 17 or 18 for an archery tag in 61, higher than that now. Higher. Yeah. Because
0: it took me, in 2016, it took me 19 points to draw a third season rifle tag in 61. Yeah. And... I just got tired of dragging that big bundle of points around. Oh. I said, you know what? they back with it. I'm <laughs> cashing out. Yep. And at my point level of 19, not everybody drew that third That's season. That's crazy. And so now I'm back to like one or two points in Colorado, and I'll just burn them on, you know, yeah. what, what people consider a uh, – Run of the mill, huh? Fine. I've got sixteen
1: points for elk and deer in Colorado.
0: Oh, you're no man. And as you
1: say, I'm in the middle. I I will never catch the good units, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to have to burn them on a unit that takes six or eight points. Right. Because I'm stuck in that middle. (laughs) Huh? And you can't share. You can't bank. You can't do anything. You just got to burn them. Right. First world problems. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh.
0: How did we ever get talked into what this What topic idea, are we... Uh, oh. You know, we were going to get to our... Uh, we we're going to start on our five, top five elk hunting mistakes. And I don't... I think we only got like 15 or 20 minutes left
1: to keep no. it within the window here. Well, or, maybe we should tease everybody with what they are, and then we can talk about them in the next episode. Uh, now you're talking. See, that's why... You, you, you're
0: you the brains of this operation. <laughs> so that's... I think that's what we, what we ought to do. So...
1: I, you, you want me to take notes of? Your, have, do you have your five? I bet I could rattle something off. All right. I, there are a couple that definitely okay. come to mind. Do we have to rank them? And no, not in any well, let's order. Let's just list them now, and like, then, we'll then maybe list we'll five rank of them. them. Yeah. What?
0: what are five uh, that you see? I'm
1: going to go with the obvious one. Uh-huh. And you and I did a short little video on YouTube about it. Mm-hmm. But it's wind. Wind. Yeah. 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 I think wind is is key to success, mm-hmm. and it's obvious. But we'll uh, we'll expand on it maybe in. Yeah. There's some so of the much unobvious to, things about it. So much to talk about when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, you know, aggression. I think we talked about that a little. I think too many elk hunters are too timid. Aggressive versus passive. Yeah. But I also think there's a time when you, you just have to be able to, to know and understand whether to be timid or aggressive. And so I think mm-hmm. that's a huge mistake. I just see too many people that's it's kind of like that analysis paralysis where they, they lock down and, uh, Maybe I'll well I'll share the story. Now, I had a guy call me. I was working, and it's back when I was an engineer, and I was sitting at a desk and wishing I was out in elk country in September and waiting for my one week of vacation to come to, to go elk hunting. And I got a phone call, and this guy said, hey, do you hear that? And I said, what, what, no, I, I'm at work. What is, what is it? And he's like, listen. So I'm listening. I'm like, I don't hear anything. He's like, you can't hear that elk bugle? And I huh? said, no. And he's like, I've got an elk bugle. And he's like 120 yards away. What do I do? No way. Now, first off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk could be 120 yards away to call (laughs) anybody on a cell phone. (laughs) Second off, it it opened my eyes to the Mm. fact that a lot of times people don't know what to do and they freeze in that situation and just hope the elk comes to them instead of thinking through what the situation is. So I think that timid versus uh, aggressive is an important one. Uh Uh, Another mistake is... uh, I don't know if it's the most important, but it's definitely the one that has the most things to talk about. And that's the setup. Mm. Too many times, you know, you get just a bad setup that leaves you really no chance for being successful. And so I think understanding setups, understanding how you need to uh, set up on an elk, if you're going to call them in, especially is, is important. And too many times I think we miss out on opportunities for success because of those mistakes. Wow. You're rattling off. You're, did you rehearse this, Corey? I mean, no. I I showed up here, and you said, "Here, put the headphones on. We're starting." Here's the yeah. notes, and all yeah, right. So. so,
0: so you've given four wind uh, aggressive versus passive.
1: Oh, you're given three. Well, I was going to say you have one, two, four, five. There should be a three in, in between. <laughs> well, there. the three got, got <laughs> you over, are taking got, notes. Got, too. got usurped by the
0: aggressive versus passive. All yeah, right. So you've given three. All right. Okay. I, uh,
1: another one I think would be to have backup plans. Okay, um, And to be uh, flexible, I guess, in your plan, not to get stuck in a rut. So we could talk about that. And I could definitely share some experiences there that mm. were not enjoyable because we didn't have backup plans or because we stayed mm-hmm. focused in one, one area or one tactic. Uh, and then maybe the last one, what do I have wind, aggressive setup. Backup plan, um, being flexible. I think calling. Let's talk calling and the mistakes that we make calling because okay. that's that really for me, I think that's my, uh, my foundation for elk cunning is calling Yeah. and it didn't come naturally. I made a lot of mistakes for a lot of years <laughs> and learned a lot of hard lessons before yeah. I finally, the light bulb came on. And really, you know, when we talk about average, the average success rate being 10% success, or, you know, that means that, one out of 10 people kill an elk every year, or it takes the average person 10 years to kill their first elk. I was an average hunter. Yeah. It took me nine years to, to kill my first archery elk. Yeah. And I had so many incredible encounters that either I was too passive or I didn't pay attention to the wind or I set up wrong, uh, but the light bulb clicked on calling when I finally realized what it takes to call in an elk and how easy it really is. And, uh, so we can talk about a lot of those mistakes. Tonight. We should talk about
0: that because when you say how easy it really is, I'm like, w- what elk are you hunting, man?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did get accused of hunting ranch elk in greener pastures this last week. A guy emailed oh, really? me and, yeah. Huh. said, I've, I've never hunted ranch elk and yeah. there are no pastures where I hunt. And he said, well, what I mean is you go and find the elk that are easy to call in instead of hunting these elk that take a PhD in elk talk to call in. I, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Huh. Well, that's why you don't hunt right next to the
0: trailhead. <laughs> exactly. Those elk have a PhD. They're, they're teaching the other exactly. elk. They're, they're the professors of human hunting pressure. <laughs> huh. Well. What about I, you? I, I mean, everything that I focus on, and, and you make a good point there, that I'll preface this by saying when I do seminars, when I write or, or do video or whatever... Um, I like to make reference to public land bull elk. Yep. Um, and as a general rule, highly pressured public land bull elk. Because I, I've been lucky to draw some amazing tags with limited hunting pressure. And there is no doubt that the elk res- have responded or that just where they're going to be is, is slightly different,
1: even public land bull elk, just because of the lack of hunting pressure. Yep. And the opportunities, so, multiple right. opportunities in those draw areas and right. quality yeah. areas. And so I get that some
0: people want to wait wait out for that, but I'm not, I, I don't know if, you know, I might tip over tomorrow. So I, I don't want to let any chance go by. So I hunt a lot of elk in places that, all right, I know there's a lot of hunting pressure. I mean, I think I've done five over-the-counter elk hunts in Colorado. I've done, well, most years in Montana. Yeah me and my buddies were doing, uh, public land, whether it's archery or, or, rifle. And so this is just my experience when I wrote down my top five as you were doing yours. Um, it's the top five mistakes that I made. And I'm not saying everyone makes these mistakes, but I, I, you said it was 10 years before you killed an archery elk. Well, it was six years before I killed any type of elk. I, I, I really made some dumb mistakes, <laughs> and I think the the first, uh, if I had to say, the 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 greatest symptom of my illness was just my lack of understanding about elk. Yeah. I didn't grow up in Idaho, uh, like you had the yeah. benefit of growing up and being around elk out our back door, literally. Right. Yeah. So I came to elk in my early twenties, and I, all of my hunting experience was somewhat almost contrarian to how you would yep. understand what elk do. So my lack of understanding of elk, their needs, their behaviors, both seasonally, uh, what do they do in a dry year versus a wet year, right? What do they need in September versus what they need in December? It, I had no clue. Yep. So I think a lot of people get a tag and they think that's enough. They go in the in the woods and they're kind of counting on random luck. And yeah, sometimes... You know, you, you go enough times. Ten times. Yeah. You're, you're going to get lucky once. You're, you're going to get, yep. yeah. So I'd say my number one is people not making an investment in their understanding of elk. Uh, and as guilty as guilty gets. Yep. Which kind of leads to my number two is lack of a plan. Uh, if you don't know, if you haven't done your homework about elk and their needs, you really don't show up with a plan. You're like, mm, well... I guess uh, this meadow looks good and I'll sit here <laughs> for a week. Well, maybe that'll work, but the odds are you're not doing yourself any favors if that's just your plan. Yep. If you don't have a plan, you quickly become discouraged. Lack of information
1: brings lack Because your plan of... is to go and kill an elk. If that's your plan yeah. and you don't kill it, you've failed on every level of your plan. Yeah. And yeah, it's really easy to get discouraged. Right. So I think lack of knowledge reads lack of confidence
0: Uh, and so those are are probably the two biggest mistakes I made Uh, and number three uh, is is your number one is being careless with the wind Uh, seems like every season we get some encounter where we get reminded that we thought we had the wind in our favor. Maybe, all right, the time, at you know, like 9.30 in the morning. The, the the thermals can't make up their mind if they want to go downhill or uphill. And you go into a basin where you herd an elk, and on the sunny side, it's going uphill. You go into the shade, and it's going, uh, you know, and it's just swirling in there. Yep. I, it's like, well, it's not a good
1: hunt if I haven't at least messed up the wind at least <laughs> two or three times. And the so. wind is... You know, you can talk about wind being out of your control and it is, you cannot control the wind, but you can right. control how you use the wind. Right. And once you understand some of that, and there's still going to be things that happen out of your control that mess up a hunt, but it goes into the setup and everything else that you're in control of where you set up. You're in control of all of these things, understanding the thermals and the winds in part of that, uh, that aspect of the setup, you can really take control of that situation. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I, like I said, it's probably the most important topic that we can talk about. And there's uh, there's volumes that can be written just on wind and thermals. Yeah. So that's my number three. Number four is,
0: and again, I was guilty of this an emphasis on gadgets and gizmos. I, I was getting frustrated and I, did, I just, I was being lazy about it. I thought these, you know, the greatest this or that or the new this or the new that that was in a magazine, advertisement or something, that's going to solve my problem. So you're saying gear doesn't make you successful? Is that? Uh, not all gear makes you <laughs> successful. Some certainly makes <laughs> you more comfortable to it. Yeah. And, and allows you to hunt more effectively. But I was like this guy who if I spend enough money on gear and I carry a whole gunny sack full of doodads, Yep. Sooner or later, I'm going to kill an elk. And that was just me being lazy, not wanting to spend the time to build my elk knowledge, invest in myself about elk, what they need. Again, I keep saying that, what they need, how they behave, how they react, how they respond. And the when i was refusing or kind of neglecting that that even though in my mind i'm like you know i probably don't know as much as i should but (laughs) yeah i i can either spend a little more
1: on gear and i'll be good
0: yeah i i can spend weeks researching and reading dry articles by scientists and other biologists or talking to scientists and biologists or i could go buy this new doodad yeah it's only 20 bucks i'll buy the new doodad well guess what the new doodad didn't
1: and I'll talk to the guys at the sporting goods store and they'll they'll there, fill me in on anything I don't know. Yeah, some college freshman working <laughs> behind the counter who he... he Living his dream job. But, yeah, and, yeah, and
0: he, little did I know, he he was a bit liberal with the truth. And uh, <laughs> Wait, he, sporting he,
1: goods store, people I, behind the
0: counter, liberal with the truth. I know. Well, I believed him and I bought the $20 gizmo and I'm like, well, if it's good... You know, if one is good, two is gooder. So let me get two of them kind of mindset. So I think for me, emphasis and reliance on just all this gear and gadgetry. Yes. I think you and I have both done this enough. We know what's gear and what's a gadget. Yeah. I mean, gear is something that you need and is useful and is helpful. Gadgets and doodads, are just that yep. wasted money.
1: And I've got, you know, there are some things that are definitely in my pack or in my box that I take to camp with me that are a comfort or a luxury, mm-hmm. things like that, that. But I have a list of essential gear. And when I strip it down, it's pretty small. Yeah. What do I, and that's, you know, when I'm going out hunting with my kids, I'll ask them, do you have your bow or your gun? Do you have arrows with broadheads and bullets? Do you have your license? Okay, yeah. we have enough to go out and hunt. <laughs> Anything else that we might've forgot, yes, we might be at a disadvantage, but we can go and hunt. We have a license, we have a weapon, let's go. Right. Did you bring your boots? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: And then this one might be a little bit close to your uh, comment about backup plans are flexible. Uh, One thing I've found is when I've been stuck in a rut and afraid to experiment, my encounters with elk seem to be less. When I get out of that rut and say, you know what? Someone might laugh at me when they see this, but I'm going to do this because it's just, it's something I've been thinking about in the tent last night and I'm going to try it today. <laughs> <It's> <laughs>
1: something that kid at the sporting goods store behind the counter
0: told me to try.
1: Yeah, that told me not to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. but So
0: I think uh, being afraid to experiment uh, keeps a lot of elk hunters from making mistakes and learning. And, and for me, I'm still, all these things that I mentioned here, my top five are still things I deal with today. Yeah. I mean, just because I've been doing this a long time and I have the blessing of getting to go on six to eight, 10 elk hunts a year between my tags and joining other people, it doesn't mean I've got it. You are yet. spoiled. Oh, I'm... Man. Uh, I looked at the board. Here's how many elk tags we're filming this year. Two of us in New Mexico. Uh, Montana is me, Marcus, Michael, Dan, Bo, carson and lucas and possibly another lucas so that's (laughs) 10 right there and then my son has uh wyoming and my uncle has wyoming so we're 11 and and, and then uh lorenzo's arizona so we've got 13 elk on some or 13 elk tags i'm going to be part of trying to fill this year
1: your back's going to be sore
0: (sighs) Well, the good news is there everyone there other and Uncle Larry is younger than me.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I, and you I, won't take advantage of that, will you? I will. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, I'm going to run into town. I know there's a Dairy Queen. I'm going to yeah. have a cooler full of dilly bars waiting for you at the truck when you get that elk packed up. Yep. Well, and this is another thing.
0: People comment on this when they see our footage out on YouTube or Amazon. They're like, why are you always doing the gutting and gilling?" <laughs> well, it's, my, it's one of my favorite parts of the hunt. I mean, I usually tell a guest hunter, look, here's the deal. You get first shot, but if you kill something, you're going to have to get out of the way because this is what I live for. I love to gut and gill. Uh, And there's uh, an
1: advantage to it.
0: Right, because after you've been doing all the carving and you're doing all that, you kind of sit down and you ache and you stretch, and all the younger guys are like, well, you've done all the hard work. Let me carry that hind quarter.
1: Well, if you time it just right. See, I hunted with a guy from from uh, West Virginia, Tennessee. His name's mm-hmm. David Burdett, and we'll talk about him as I share some stories, especially as we get into humorous stories, because uh-huh. he's uh, he brings humor to elk camp. But Are we going to need a liability waiver? Uh, you start I don't telling? think so. Oh, okay. he, uh, he might be a good one to get on here at okay. some point. Yeah, just for uh, the comic relief. <laughs> but incredible. I mean, a guy that came from Tennessee out of college, never hunted elk, taught himself to hunt elk. Oh, wow. and very consistently successful. Wow. For somebody that'd come out every year, he'd drive for two straight days, show up bug-eyed and hit elk camp and on the ground running. But he, uh, I learned a lesson from him. He was really good with a knife. Yeah. And I was young and eager, and I could throw two quarters on my back and run to the truck. And yeah. we worked well together. Uh-huh. He worked well with me being there
2: <laughs> because he would
1: time it just right uh-huh. that when I'd walk back up with a pack frame, he would be saying, Hey, come hold this quarter. And he'd cut it off, put it in a game bag, put it on my pack frame, and I'd go again. <laughs> and he, you know, I didn't realize he was sitting there taking a nap for a half hour uh-huh. until he heard me breaking branches. So he'd jump up and real quickly cut yeah. the next quarter off. And... Yeah. Yeah. So, I, see, he was experienced. Yep. Yeah.
0: Now oh, I'm getting I, there. I'm yeah. getting there. Well, yeah, uh, those are the ones on my list. I think I, I'll go with you. We should, uh, we should save these and cover them on the next podcast, uh, the next episode. So See, I, we have
2: structure gonna,
1: now. Yeah, people are going to say, that's some sort of tease, Randy. What's the deal there? <laughs> no, that's um, just us using the, the last several minutes to uh, come up with structure for yeah, a plan.
0: But we got a couple things. One, we've got the Sitka question of the week that you're going to answer.
1: Oh, um, Put me on the spot.
0: But before we get to the Sitka question of the week... Um, as part of this because elk foundation is such an important part to elk hunting we want to talk about some of their mission work, and at least make some mention of it in every episode and in this one uh i've I've found that if you give someone a tangible example they understand oh that's what my volunteerism or my advocacy or my money is doing for elk for for me It, it it makes it something that they can relate to easily and so over the course of doing these podcasts we're going to talk about projects in every state that we can think of but the one that comes to mind uh, having talked to the folks here in the lands department said hey real quickly give me a a project that you did that you think has been beneficial to elk and elk hunters they're like oh new mexico alamaceta creek like "Hmm, okay (laughs) and uh so, what that is, is it's a project uh, just not far from Pie Town, which, if you've ever been to Pie Town, there's like three little pie shops there. It, that's all that's there why is. they call it Pie Town? Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's why they call it Pie Town, but. Is it really named Pie Town? Pie that's, Town. Yeah. It's between Cuamato uh, and Daddle. Oh, it's. I've been to Daddle, right? Yeah. Okay. But we, I think, how did we not stop at Pie Town? I don't know. Oh. We, we went the other way. Did we? Yeah, we okay. went the other way because you flew, didn't you? I flew to yeah, Albuquerque. Yeah, I rented a rig. Yeah, yep. see, see, I drove, you, you went to Albuquerque and flew home. I did the Road Warrior thing in my Titan. And uh, anyhow, Pie Town. <laughs> Near Pie Town is this place called Alamaceta Creek. Uh, and that one is another classic. It's, so many of the Elk Foundation projects are about providing access to the acres acquired, but also improving access to the surrounding public lands. And they have a score system. Every, I mean, the Elk Foundation gets tons of proposals in front of them. And when you get that many proposals, you got to have some sort of ranking system. And so they go through and rank it, you know, what kind of wildlife values are there, what kind of additional access does it provide, because the Elk Foundation is about, providing more access. It's one of their five primary initiatives. And this one, uh, talking to Blake Henning, who is the, he's the lands, he's the chief conservation officer here at the Elk Foundation. Uh, I think the project was just under 6,000 acres of private land that the Elk Foundation and its partners helped acquire and then turned over, I believe, to either the BLM or Forest Service. Uh, But uh, what he told me is that the access around there, it improves access that it you know these other thirty-five thousand acres were public, but they didn't have very good access. Right. Right? So this six thousand improves and makes a lot better access to that thirty-five thousand. So very cool. That's one of many many projects right now. The Elk Foundation is uh, 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 like this example we're given here of acquired property and improved access. It's like over. It's nearing nine hundred thousand acres. Of uh, access projects that wow. they've done, and they're nearing, I believe, eight million acres of
1: total conserved or improved habitat acres. Yep. Which I think you know it, it's hard because for me when I was younger, I would look and there was a project in Idaho near us that they had got involved in and, and provided access onto what used to be p- or private land, and I looked and I thought, well, the, I would never hunt here. Like this isn't an area I would come and hunt. So. For me, that's a waste of dollars right. going there. As I've grown older and, and gained wisdom, I realize that was primary winter ground or winter ground corridor that they were able to go in and improve and not have shut down to, I mean, you look at developments. So if you have private land right. and then in this area, it would have been prime development land. For somebody to go and put ranchettes on, that would have completely disturbed how the elk migrate in that area and probably fouled them up to the point that they would have had to have moved winter grounds which probably would have left them moving where they actually had habitat. Right. And so there's all these projects, whether it's winter grounds, whether it's access, all these different things that make elk hunting better. And it might not on the surface be a direct, like you're looking at it going, oh, I can go and hunt these 400-inch bulls that live all over by Bozeman. Yeah. You might not have that access <laughs> to do that, mm. but they are providing you know winter grounds. They're opening access in areas that have have previously been private and all these things that contribute in a huge way and you look at 8 million acres right that's not a small number no there has been improvements for elk hunting and elk and elk habitat on those acres that right otherwise wouldn't have happened like where we were hunting in new mexico i i knew that the
0: elk foundation had done a project there and we walked in and the the, i can't remember how we stumbled across it i'm like (laughs) oh this is where all the thinning (laughs) happened this is where all the grass is now growing yeah it's on all these public, this 8 million acres is going out to mostly, pu- just about all public lands and weed control, uh, getting rid of invasive weeds, prescribed burns, uh, you know, thinning, yep. whatever it is to generate better habitat, water projects, uh, you, you name it. Yep. it the, the whole list is there. And again, the Out Foundation, their uh, project advisory committees, because of money raised, a big chunk of it stays within that state. For the purpose of the the local volunteers on the project advisory yep. committee saying, these are the ones we want to do. And that's the kind of boots on the ground, dirt under the fingernails kind of conservation. And the elk- Which
1: goes back to, to why I signed up for a life membership. You know, we yeah. moved a year ago into elk country. And so my family and I live in the heart of elk country. Uh, it's, yeah. You know, it's not prime or anything, but there are elk around us. Right. And it was a perfect opportunity to become a life member at that banquet, yeah. you know, that happening a few miles from my house. Cool. So, rmef.org, be like Corey and be a life member, right? Or at least a member. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: We'll, we'll start them. That's right. Uh, uh, it's kind of like everything. You kind of start <laughs> them on light doses, right? Yep. All right. So, with that, the Sitka question of the week, um you're going to have to answer this because I don't own any trail cameras. Ooh. Okay. Um, someone wants to know, how do you use trail cameras to improve your hunting? Because mm. in Montana, it, it only last year did it become legal to use That's trail cameras. That's right. Camera. You and, couldn't use trail cameras during right. season, right? right? You could
1: use them during pre-season, right. but if, not during season. Right. If
0: there was an open season, well, the only time yeah. bear season ends... June 15th Archery Antelope opens August 15th so there's only like a two month window you could use them so but that's
1: actually the prime time to use trail cameras
2: oh really yeah
1: oh okay you know and I've there, there's two different, I guess, trains of thoughts on trail cameras. One is if you're hunting a place like New Mexico, Arizona, you go put a trail camera on a tank right. and you see how many 400-inch bulls are coming in there. <laughs> you pick the one that you want to focus on <laughs> and then you go hunt that bull. Um, I mean, we all know there are 400-inch bulls behind every tree in oh, those states. Yeah, right. New Mexico, especially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was I've, there with you and yeah. we, we proved that. We saw how many? Zero. Zero? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was tough. Um, but... But the way I use them isn't that. I don't focus on a single elk. I've never focused on one elk and hunted that elk. And I know there's some people that do. And in places, you know, like Utah, Nevada, things like that, where you draw that tag that takes a lot of years, maybe that's your goal. And that's that's totally fine and understandable. For me, though, I use it more to, to determine how many elk are really in an area. What are their habits? What are their patterns? And I don't even look for bulls. I love to see bulls on trail camera. But I know if I'm finding bulls on trail camera during the summer, they're probably not going to be in the same area in the fall. And it's really, yeah. other than cool to look at, it's not helping me become yeah. successful. So we, we, We're going to add that as a point
0: to a future podcast. The number of people I hear who say, oh, I got them on my trail camera, and yeah. then they go back in September, October, November, and that's like, where'd they go? Yeah. You, you just said, you you take for <laughs> granted that everybody <laughs> knows that. Yeah. But- that's, That's interesting that, that you, when you get bulls on trail cameras in places like Idaho, you don't
1: give it all they, that They much might weight. move 15 or 20 miles when the rut kicks in. These yeah. bulls might literally move down a canyon 15 or 20 miles to where the rut actually happens. Yeah. And so if I'm up in the high country in the summer looking for bulls and I find them, there's a really good chance they're not even going to be anywhere in the vicinity come September. So what I'm looking for are the cows. Because where the cows are in June, July, August, that's typically where the rut's going to happen. Yeah. And the cows will move up from their winter ground. They will get into their calving areas. And that's where they raise their calves in the summer. It's a safe place. There's lots of feed. They raise the calves there. Well, lo and behold, the rut kicks in. And that's where they're at. And So if I can get in and find huge groups of cows, I usually don't put out trail cameras until the first part of July. And, you know, the cows have had their calves. I'm not in disturbing that or anything. And I put them out 4th of July weekend, somewhere in there. And then by the 15th of, of August, I've found pretty much everything I need. And I don't usually check them until about the 15th of August. And as long as I'm getting lots of cows on trail camera, and I'm talking, I love to see groups of cows of... 15 to 25, 30 cows Mm -hmm. because I know that there's going to be multiple bulls coming into that area. It's not going to be one bull that comes in there and takes all those cows. There'll be multiple bulls that show up. And so I find those big groups of cows and then September 5th, I just sit back in my lawn chair and wait for the bugles to start, and then I go (laughs) chasing. I've been with you chasing bugles. There are no lawn chairs involved. (laughs) There's a lot of track shoes involved. We do run and gun. So so trail cameras help me find the cows and determine the areas that are holding the most cows, which will turn into the most bulls. As far as how to set them, you know, some states allow you to put out bait. Um, In Idaho... You can't hunt within, you know, I forget the distance, but you can't hunt around bait for, yeah. for deer and elk. Yeah. Uh, in Oregon, you can. You can put up a salt lake. You can dump salt on the ground and climb up in a tree stand and hunt that pile of salt. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Uh, Arizona, you can put out minerals. And, you know, so there are ways to attract animals to certain areas. Typically, I'm looking for either really good feed and water close by, good, well-used trail. Yeah. And that's going to tell me okay. pretty much what I need to know with the cameras. Huh
0: because right now I'm reading a lot of chatter about the Arizona game and fish Commission is thinking about making changes to their trail camera rules really yeah have
1: you uh, ever seen some of those tanks oh, yeah. in Arizona
0: yeah when when I had my uh, uh tag last year there was one tank that still had water and we went down to water the llamas and look for tracks They're, you know do the yeah. normal thing and uh I'm like man I gotta Go pee, <laughs> and it took me a long time to find some safe space. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, there's a trail camera. Oh, there's one. There, there's one there. And then, like, up on the Rim Country in Arizona, and the same can be said in Nevada or Utah or Southwest Colorado or New Mexico, where it's really arid, yeah. and, and water is a constricting resource. Uh, the number of trail cameras near a water source is really intense. Yeah. And so I, I've not really paid that much attention to it. I've read some of the comments. I guess part of the concern is people, it's not so much the cameras themselves. It's that the continual activity of humans coming in there to check trail cameras is displacing or keeping wildlife from using the water source. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the argument that I guess is being
1: made down there. You just look, I mean, elk don't like activity. No. They don't like pressure. And if you've got a four-wheeler coming in four times a day, different people checking. I've seen a tank with a post, you know, a four inch or a six inch wood post next to the tank with probably 12 or 14 trail (laughs) cameras on that one post. Yeah. And who knows, you know, what was around it in the junipers and stuff around there. So it's, yeah, that's not how I use trail cameras. Yeah. But it's effective, and especially, you know, you get the outfitters and stuff in some of those areas that mm-hmm. their clients want to know what elk is in that area, and they right. want to focus on a specific animal, and that's how they do it. Right. Well, I'll let Arizona sort that out. Yeah. Since I don't even own a
0: trail camera, for me, it's like a, a discussion going on out there that's just <laughs>
1: static. It's a test pattern on the See, TV See, and I screen. love... it's. I don't know. It's kind of like shed hunting. Yeah, you know, shed I hunting don't do is that a, either. Yeah, and that's, for me, it's like an adult Easter egg hunt. You know, I just never <laughs> grew up.
2: And
1: I was like scurrying around in the mountains looking for something that nobody else has found. And trail cameras are, there's an anticipation. When you walk in to check a trail camera, it's like, what was here when I wasn't here? Yeah. And we'll put them out in September. You know, we'll find an active wallow. And I usually carry a trail camera. I've just got these little tiny, they're stealth cam. Um, and I just carry one in my backpack with a memory card and a bunch of batteries. And if I find a wallow that's really active, I'll put it up and during the week while we're hunting there, I'll just leave it. And then I'll come back at the end of the hunt just to see what was there. And we did it last year in uh, Wyoming. There was a wallow on the road and it was a rough, you know, two track type road, but there was a wallow six feet off the road. Wow. And we drove up that morning to go and uh, we're hunting with Trent and Cody from born and raised in land of the free project. And I stopped in the dark and tied a trail camera to the tree, and we took off up the canyon and hiked in there. Trent shot his bull, and we packed it out, and Dirk and I came out and got the trucks and drove around the mountain to meet everybody and stopped and checked the trail camera. Or didn't check it, just put it in the truck. We got back to camp, and I thought, oh, I should check and see, and we knew nothing. I mean, it's on a road. We drove up there. Probably one of the biggest six-point bulls we saw the entire hunt (laughs) came in at nine o'clock in the morning and wallowed right there next to the road, and we have video on the trail camera of it. So, Uh,
0: well, there you're just you're you are kind of a contrarian to all the studies at the Starkey Experimental Forest (laughs) Research Project that explain how elk respond to roads. To to roads, Yeah. yeah, yeah. One anecdotal. Observation recorded on camera, and now all the
1: research is out the window, Corey. Yep. That's <laughs> thanks for nothing. Like medical, right? Yeah. <laughs> One thing proven it wrong, and yeah, it's gone. Can't be that. Come up with another theory. Yeah.
0: Well, folks, we've uh, we've kept you a long time. Or do you want to keep them longer?
1: Or do you, should should let's, we? Let's keep them coming back.
0: Oh, all right. there, that's better. How, how we might have already destroyed it. They say first impressions are important. Yeah, we did ramble a bit. I, I'm worried that our first impression was really, really poor.
1: But if we ramble, we came up with topics. Now we have topics to talk about in the next episode. Yeah. So episode two is the one that maybe we should just say at the beginning, folks, this is the
0: formality. Hey, you really want to listen to episode two. Yeah. Skip number Never one. Never trust an old man in a
1: hurry. We took our time in this one. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, with that, folks, uh, are we going to call it a wrap, Gordon? Let's wrap it. All right. So, episode number two, we've got. E- we're going to go through. We're going to try to get through each of our five points yep. of the five elk common elk hunting mistakes. More mistakes what, to avoid
1: or things yeah. to
0: overcome to uh, create success. For me, it's going to be like confession. I'm not Catholic, <laughs> but it's it's really going to be a confessional sort of
1: event. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to have so many stupid stories. Well, maybe I could tell some stories on you.
0: You could, I'm sure. And then you
1: could tell some stories on me about being too aggressive and, you know, I don't even see grouse sitting in the trail. I know that, that that is a
0: very, very critical part. I I mean, if I'm going to criticize your hunting, (laughs) it's how many grouse you walk by in a day. That is, that's unacceptable. I know. I'm working on it. All right. So, <laughs> with that, folks, thanks for listening. Huh? Yeah, we'll, thank you. Uh, we'll catch them in episode number two in two weeks. Yep. Watch
1: for it. Uh, and how do they uh, subscribe, all that? Yeah. <laughs> you, you better tell them that because I'm a, I'm a podcast newbie. So, uh, if you have an
0: iPhone, I mean, the odds are they're already listening to this. But for your friends who you're going to share this with, right? if you have an iPhone, the iPhone has an app that you just go out to itunes there it is elk talk podcast with Corey and randy presented by the rocky mountain elk foundation or google play will have it uh and And
1: that's for people who don't have an iphone right
0: for for droid people like me really the better place to get it is stitcher for us droid people uh or any of the multiple podcast apps that are out there. I've heard I, people I, talk about Podbean. Yeah, Podbean. Uh, it'll probably be on iHeartRadio. Uh, well, I, I use Podcast Addict. As my the podcast app that I use for listening to podcasts. So um, it's out in any of those places. Um, and if they want to go to our website, and
1: uh, we're actually going to embed them, right? Yep. So they all can the, watch them all on the, the website. All the podcasts will be there at... Elktalkpodcast.com. Are we going to let them Is that leave? like a, am I having trouble saying that? Or Elk no. Talk Podcast? It just seems very choppy. It must be yeah, the, it is. the consonants there. Yeah, we were going to call it
0: ET.com, but the ET was this movie back in yeah. the 80s. ET photo. <laughs> ET photo. <laughs> ET
1: photo. Certainly, even the millennials have watched ET.
0: If you have, if uh, well, I've never seen Star Wars, so I can't criticize anyone. You've for, never seen Star Wars? None I, of
1: the six episodes zero, or nine I, I or what is it? I have never
0: seen a Star Wars episode in my really? life. And I'm not going to start a bad habit at this age.
1: Wow. No. I've Man. Yeah. We should have probably talked before we decided to go into this podcast <laughs> yeah, business so if, together. If, and if you
0: use any humor that's Star Wars related, it's yeah. going to go right over my head. <laughs> but, so <laughs> we got that. Um that's where they can get it. Are we going to put this
1: on YouTube? But we might as well. We're
0: recording. Yeah, there's... Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's on the red light. It yeah, have... we, did, we did hit record. No, I did see the red light on there. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah. are, are we going to have what our own we... YouTube channel or are we going to put it on each of our channels? I don't know. All, or all three? Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay, you'll be able to find... I know you'll be able to find it on YouTube. We'll yeah. have an... If
1: you go to the website, elktalkpodcast.com, we'll yeah. have all sorts of instructions of on everything. there. yeah. 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 But
0: if we let them provide comments, be ready. Yeah, it, it, it's a humbling experience <laughs> to allow for comments because on my YouTube channel, I, I get probably a hundred comments a day at least, and people aren't YouTube's bashful. YouTube's bad, yeah. But if people are out there using improper language or they're just there to raise trouble, yep.
1: Toast them. That was an awesome sound effect. Yeah. And that was real. Gone. That was natural. Out of here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we, have, no we have fragile egos, so <laughs> go easy on us. If you uh, have a comment, a, a suggestion that we need to improve upon, yeah. use some tact. We're we'll totally <laughs> fine in trying to better ourselves, but... Man, no. I got an email this week about Randy that made me blush some of the language that was used. And really? I've never said anything bad about Randy, huh. like literally bad. It, yeah, he spends wow. too much time at Dairy Queen and chasing grouse, but that's, huh? Those are things that, he knows. That must have just been the introductory paragraph then. Yeah, I, I deleted it after I got to the third <laughs> sentence. It was,
2: I thought uh, if anybody feels
1: that way about Randy, they uh, uh, we don't see eye to eye, so. Yeah, well, I appreciate your defense of my honor. Um, well,
0: I didn't defend anything. Oh, I, just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put my reputation uh, on the line. I just deleted it and moved on. Well, what's the old saying in the accounting CPA world is if anyone's going to jail, it's a client. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then please go out and subscribe to or follow uh, Instagram channel. Yep.
1: At Elk Talk Podcast. At Elk Talk Podcast. Yeah. yeah.
0: And we'll have... Not geeks. at
1: Elk Talk. There's a picture of a moose and it's an yeah. elk kaboo or something and yeah. they're a food court in Oregon. Yeah. Um, we, we, we should just try to buy that I did. Them. They wouldn't respond. I sent an email through their website. I contact them, direct message through Instagram. Really? And they only had like six... Follow. pictures out there they had like 34 followers and I said now's the time right. we're even willing Randy has gift cards to Dairy Queen we'll trade you right
0: yeah I do I have currency I have yeah. min-
1: they, we call that Minnesota currency yeah I mean but uh,
0: never even heard back from them so. really well if any of you know the, the sushi <laughs> cart in uh, <laughs> Oregon that is called uh, elk talk elk talk.
1: Elk-a-boo food food I don't Whatever. remember there's, it has nothing to there's do with that. there's a commission
0: elk. involved <laughs> maybe we'll take a milk on for a day you just messed up.
1: No, we won't take them yeah, out. Now we're going to have somebody in Oregon held hostage <laughs> because their food court <laughs> won't give up the rights <laughs> to their Instagram page. And, uh. Uh,
0: well, it yeah, uh, that, that just came to mind. You, that, I, I have no filter. That's why my I, other podcast is called Randy Newberg Unfiltered. <laughs> I don't have a filter. It just comes out.
1: We'll work on it.
0: All right, folks. We've kept you for two hours and 20 minutes. Thanks for
2: listening. And I'm Randy. I'm Corey. And we'll catch you on the next one.